slip in the morning beneath the stars so bright. Pull your hat down, make sure your cinch is tight. Horse is kind of snuffy, cold chill up your spine. You'll get your ass moving somewhere burning daylight. Welcome to Burning Daylight, the only podcast for the working cowboy. Well, welcome back, Daylight Burners. Hope everybody's uh, having a good weekend. Um, Get to watch any football today, Eric? I did. I watched the Bills lose. God damn it. I was second year in a row. I was so, so ready. I was like, they're going to tie it up. They're going to take him to overtime. And and then Bass missed it. I I don't, you know, it was like watching the Cowboys. It was like, you know, first the Broncos got knocked out, you know, before the playoffs even started. And then the Cowboys, they did the Cowboy thing and they went out in the divisional or the the wild. Wild card. Wild card, yeah. And then got their I was like, well, I got the Bills. Too. We got Josh Allen. You know, this is the year. You know, they were pulling up all the stats, Brady and Manning, and all the similarities between Mahomes and Allen. And then Mahomes and his – I don't even know. I, I I don't hate Patrick Mahomes the way I hate Tom Brady. But, yeah, man, it's starting to get that way. I know. It's uh, – the, the thing is, the guy's the best quarterback I've ever seen play. I mean, he is – like phenomenal athlete. Absolutely. But he, he's a chief and I, I can't like him. And no, uh, no. And I, I'll never and like I, him. you know, it was a good game all up until that missed field goal too. Like I, I was enjoying all of it. Cause you know, they were, they still were pushing the Taylor Swift thing, but Tony Romo powered on through it and didn't even uh, acknowledge it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I fucking love Tony Romo as a, as an announcer. He just like, he didn't acknowledge her whatsoever. They like they showed her on the screen, and he just kept talking football. And I was like, "Good, good." Like you don't these football guys don't have to pretend to care about Taylor Swift because we don't. We're here to watch football. Not, yeah, you know. No, I, that's uh, why you know significant others watch the game. Yeah, now, but that's not why still, I'm here. Still, yeah, and. uh yeah, and then that just absolutely shanked the field goal. And it was an easy, easily makeable field yeah, goal. Was, I think it was under 40 yards. I, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like a 38-yarder. I am not. I was not a kicker in high school, but I'm pretty sure I've made a 38-yarder. You know, <laughs> I, 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 it's one of those things, if I can come off the couch and I can make that field goal, you ought not to be missing it. Yeah, it's, that's, that one I was just like, oh, man. Cause I, I wasn't sure they were gonna win it because Mahomes got his voodoo and uh, and they got they got the NFL behind him and, and but Kelsey I, I just having a game yeah I was just hoping they take it to overtime and make it something but that losing on a missed field goal and then you know kneels is just tough and then you know that he missed that that touchdown throw that was like the one throw that he missed all game I mean yeah. he was dropping dimes all game and he missed that one. And uh, and Romo was trying to kind of holding water for him. He's like, "Oh, he got hit." No, he had he had a guy in his face, but he didn't get hit. That was just uh, he missed that throw. Got to have that, but got to have that field goal too. And mm, God damn it! So I uh, 
I don't know. It's it's starting to look like the another Chiefs Super Bowl, and I don't want to see it happen. Uh, I'd I'd rather see the the Ravens at this point. But I know I I don't know I, I don't know if you've seen those the pictures with the colors of the Super Bowl logo, but it's it's according to that going to be a Ravens Forty ers Super Bowl. Well, um, that'd be a good that'd be a good game. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Detroit win one. Just, just I like yeah, their head coach cool a lot. To see him make it for sure. Yeah, I like that head coach a lot. Made. Um, yeah, it was it was a good game of, or a good day of football. Anyways, I, mean, I I hated to see the Chiefs win another one, but yeah, what are you gonna do? It's uh, Patrick Mahomes' sixth straight AFC Championship game. He is as a starter has never not been in the AFC Championship yeah. game. He's. Yeah, he he's insane. Um, yeah, I hate to see it, but oh well. Oh, it, it is it is what it is. So um, we got Eric Winkler back on the show. Uh, you were on way back when, weren't you? Once or on a bull session, weren't you? I think so. We were talking. We were talking college football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, and I was big yeah, on Ole Miss, and then Ole Miss ended up finishing out eight and four. So. Mm. Ended up being wrong there. I I don't know college football anymore. It's it's so. All I care about I, is Wyoming, and we lost yeah, our I, coach. So don't know how yeah. well we do. Yeah, that's I I really wish like Wyoming and CSU and and like all the like a lot of those kind of. Mountain West or or like the old uh, Big West teams. Uh, I, I wish they'd drop down to FCS, and uh, and at least we could have some competitive years because uh, it, it's just hmm, they're. I, I don't I don't see how they compete ever in uh, in D one. They just they well, don't have I the mean, we had the teams funding. big in the Mountain West compete this year. Wyoming competed with. Two Big Twelve teams, Texas yeah. and Texas Tech. We beat Tech. Mm, we that's right. Air Force and uh, we were we were both Air Force and and Wyoming were on the outskirts of being ranked when we played each other. That was a good game. Yeah, you know, like the, there's the the teams who can who can really compete now in the in the group of five conferences are looking like they're kind of starting to come from the Mountain West. You know, you got teams yeah. like Boise State, Fresno State, who are always finishing the season, usually ranked or close to it. You know, UNLV yeah. had a great season. I mean, look at New Mexico State. They're not Mountain West. I think they're Conference USA. But, I mean, they came in – they went into Auburn and they walked out with a blowout victory. Yeah, you know? that's true. Yeah, it's I mean – definitely I- – uh, there's a we're seeing a huge turnaround in terms of the NIL and the the conference realignments, but I think it'll sort itself out. You know, once these X Pac yeah. twelve teams realize that the crap they're putting their players through are meaning they're not winning any any championships anymore. I mean, I don't understand. USC's going to the Big Ten, and there are two teams, maybe three if you count Penn State, who own the Big Ten, and USC yeah. does not stack up to Michigan or Ohio State. Or even Penn no, State. no, so, not, not they haven't in a while. They used to, but like that's yeah, they were I mean, supposed to be this year, and then they finished eight and four. Wyoming yeah. finished eight and four. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's wild. I just I was I was talking to a guy. Um, and he went to Montana, and uh, and I was like, I always think, uh, you know, when you see the like the CFP, 
playoff uh, going. Like, I don't ever watch many of those games, but I like. I kind of want to see CSU take a run at North Dakota State, and uh, and you know, like I I and it, it would bring back like a lot of old like traditional state rivalries, you know, uh, and and I I just because I don't see CSU ever being outside of maybe a, a year here and there where they can make a run at, at something, but I just, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know how it's all going to work out they anymore. They made a though. couple of runs this year. They, they almost beat Boulder. Yeah. Um, and they took Wyoming down to the wire too. I mm. think, uh, but I don't know. I was following along the uh, FCS playoffs with Montana, Montana state and DSU. I mean, it was exciting school. Colorado school mm. of mines was playing really yeah. well. You know, it's, I would almost rather watch that where I know these guys are just playing because they like to play. You know, they're right. not all trying to get as much money as they can. You know, there's freshmen in college now making millions of dollars with their deals with mm-hmm. Nike. I don't have yeah, a problem. It's insane. You know, these kids are – a lot of these kids are coming out of nothing. But at the same time, it's like, well, you're also sacrificing what college sports is. Yeah. That's not a – Yeah, which is not the love a, of the game. money off of your sport, you know – yeah it's not an amateur sport anymore you know it's the same reason olympics used to be only amateur athletes because the professionals were um only well it's money. it's what happens when the people at top get too greedy Absolutely. and then uh they when money when money becomes all of it, it it gets ruined and the ncaa was just raping these college athletes hand over fist you know with the amount of money they made off of off of their name image and likeness and uh yeah so it's I, I'm all in favor of the of those guys getting their money because I'm no fan of the NCAA, but also, yeah, I, it's college football is wild nowadays. And uh, this is not at all what we were planning on talking about, but I knew you were a football fan. Uh, it was yeah. a good day of football. So. It was a good day um, of football. But we, we were talking right before we got on, and you were saying uh, you jumped out of a plane – or essentially fell out of a plane because your, the, your shoot not deploy is, is, is what so happened. So it didn't deploy properly. So I can't say it didn't deploy because it did get <clears> pulled, <throat> but it's um, what we call in airborne a cigarette roll. So oh. instead of expanding, it stayed kind of how it came out. And uh, mm. basically they dro- we were uh, doing a jump overseas um, and they dropped us lower than – they normally do normally lower than they said they were dropping us. Um, so normally even if my shoot cigarette rolls, I'd have about 20 seconds of time to get it fixed or 15 seconds of time to get it fixed realistically before I got to pull my reserve. That's dropping about about 1400 feet. They dropped us about 700 feet. So I had 10 seconds to fix my shoot and on Mm. 12, I was on the ground. Mm. Um, so it slowed my descent enough that I didn't die on impact, but uh, I, I hit the ground like a freight train. Oh. It, it, it rugged my bell. I've been stomped. I've been kicked, and I don't know if I've had a worse concussion than that. I woke up oh. thinking that there was a Chili's in Eastern Europe on the drop zone. <laughs> I was like, well, I want to get Chili's. You know, and uh, are, are you allowed to there. say where you were? I was in Estonia. Um, okay. But uh, rural Estonia, I mean, I could maybe find it on a map. The drop zone was in the middle of nowhere. Huh. But, uh, 
Estonia, that's the Baltics, right? It's like Estonia, Le- Lithuania, Latvia up in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. It's in that so, top top right hand corner of Europe. You were you were up there to 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 try to big dick Putin. That's what that's what those troops are up there for. Pretty much exactly what it was. And then, you know, eight months later he invaded Ukraine. Yeah. Um yeah, it, it's you know, I love America. I think it's the greatest country. Like, I love the military. I, I you know, I, I actually, I just got my my biological dad's military records back the other day from National Archives, and uh, and I love military history. Like, I'm I'm a big fan of of strategy and and uh, tactics and all all the stuff. But boy, it's uh, looking back at all the like particularly post-World War II, it's made me become way less of a fan of America when you see all the stupid shit that we have done. Absolutely. Unnecessary. Like, yeah, particularly Vietnam. Like, that, we wasted an entire generation of, like, really good soldiers on a, on a war that we could have never won in the first place, and we knew it going in. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Destroyed lives. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just insane. Yeah, not and not to mention how many Vietnamese we we killed. Yeah, no, not to, not not even talking about the Vietnamese people that we whose mm. lives were destroyed. Yeah, it's it's just insane when when you look at look back at all of it and uh and like that Russia thing. Like I, you know, we grew up uh and you know under American propaganda and Russia's the bad guy always. You know, I'm fucking Rocky Four man. Oh yeah, and uh. Well, I'm not saying that they're good, but it's hard to see how they were real wrong in this particular deal. Like we, uh, they they explicitly said many times, like Ukraine's a big red line. Don't don't cross the don't cross this. And, and what did we? Well, we went and overthrew a, a government and uh, tried to bring them into NATO. And uh, like, oh well, when you actually listen to what they they were saying the whole time, like, oh, we should have seen that coming a long ways off. So, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's just dumb. Foreign policy is interesting. Yeah. It's it really just... It, it's really... It's really crazy when, when you start to... Because, like, I was I was talking to Jeremiah Wilbur the other day. We were texting back and forth. And, uh, like, Pakistan and Iran are now, like, trading airstrikes with each other. And uh, I'm like, I didn't even know they were... They well, weren't cool with Pakistan each other. Pakistan is the enemy of everybody in the Middle East. They hate yeah. India. They hate Iran. They hate Afghanistan, Iraq, Saudi Arabia. Pakistan is just at war with everybody except for China. Because mm-hmm. China's putting a ton of money into them to build up this, this uh, Silk Road type thing so they can keep their supplies coming if they ever go into war because the U.S. has managed to kind of finagle them you know, where yeah. even Russia wouldn't be on their side because they've been stealing Russian tech as much as they've been stealing ours. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they're they're good at tech, too. That's the thing is they're they're good at making they're shit. Produce real. tech. Yeah. They've got a couple couple new fighter, a fifth fifth generation fighter. I don't know if you picked up on that term from Top Gun, but it's their it's the newest generation of fighter fighter plane mm. and bombers. Um, and they basically just ripped off the Russian MiG, the new Russian MiG for their mm. fighter pilot, and then the B-2 stealth bomber for their bomber. I mean, they're huh. basically carbon copies. No shit. Yeah. Interesting. 
That's wild. Uh, well, and they're, they're good at producing really cheap shit. I mean, just look at any cowboy Facebook page and uh, somebody's trying to sell sell handmade knives from Pakistan handmade there. knives. Yeah. Yeah, they're... Uh, it, it, it was crazy and then yeah it's, but that that was the whole thing I, I was i was talking with jeremiah i said are we how cool are we with with pakistan because i know like we like we have some sort of relationship with them but i but i also know that we we did a lot of drone strikes in in pakistan over the years and they're not real happy about it yeah and uh like a lot of drone strikes in Pakistan. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, we were lucky we didn't target any of their infrastructure, but we were still conducting, you know, it's like if, if Russia was bombing, you know, the Tetons, because that's where some guy who hit out, you know. And, yeah. And you're, you're not going to make friends if you're, right. you're kicking somebody else's sandcastles over. Yeah, it's uh, we have a relationship, but I, as far as I know, it's it's pretty strained. It's pretty much like, hey, we're not going to screw with you. Don't screw with us anymore. Yeah, that's kind of what I've I've understood too. Like, there's like some sort of intelligence sharing that goes on, but it's like, yeah, not real great relationships. But um, what what unit were you were you with? I was with the five seventy third Cavalry um, out oh, okay. of the Second Airborne in Fort Bragg. Okay. Well, Fort Liberty now, but Fort Liberty. Huh. I mean, yeah, they could have picked a name there. So they changed it because Braxton Bragg, the guy it was named after, was a a, a Confederate general. And I, mm-hmm. I don't care that he was a Confederate. I was kind of pissed that he got a base named after him. He was an inept, yeah, idiot general. He was moronic. But he had a he had a nephew who fought for the Union, who was a very good, I think, colonel. Yeah. Tired ass, and I was like, just say that it's named for the Union guy who was good at his job and saved the name. Right. Yeah, I guess Fort Bragg's kind of you know kind of iconic. That's like Fort Benning's the home of the infantry, but uh, Fort Bragg's uh, airborne, right? Yeah, yeah, it's home of the airborne. The uh, Fort Campbell in Kentucky likes to say they're home of the airborne because the hundred first is there, but the hundred first isn't airborne anymore. Yeah. So yeah, uh, they haven't really been airborne since world war ii i think i think that's our or at least vietnam yeah so yeah, i uh, yeah i guess the 101st did see quite a little bit of time in vietnam but i don't know if they jumped no no i don't know if they jumped i know the 82nd jumped in vietnam they jumped in panama um and the last combat jump was in iraq or afghanistan in the early 2000s Oh, okay. Um, so we haven't had an. I mean, airborne is pretty much obsolete, you know. Yeah. Uh, in terms of how we use it. Um, yeah, like like mass mass unit airborne, anyways. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. at least yeah. in a in a conventional war, we would not be able to do a mass mass unit airborne assault um, against a country like China or Russia. We can no. probably still pull it off in Afghanistan. Um or some of these more underdeveloped countries, but it's not as useful as air assault would be, or, or even just an amphibious or a ground attack. Yeah. See, that's all, all this shit's super interesting to me. Cause, uh, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I, I know I've said it on the show many times, but I can remember in like fourth grade, 
reading you know, Civil War battle plans and stuff, and like that, I just ate that shit up, you know. Oh yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and and it's funny is you can you can look through all of the military strategy and whatnot, um, particularly like battle plans and tactics and <clears throat> all these campaigns, <clears throat> but it really comes down to food and weapons. Yeah, and whoever's got the food and the weapons wins uh, at the, at the end of the day. Like the the Confederates fought some incredible victories uh, during during the Civil War. Like under undermanned, outgunned, uh, and just brilliant tactics won the day. But they were always doomed to lose that battle. They had no manufacturing whatsoever. No, and you and, can't uh, win without it. And, and you look at World War One, like. German army was fierce until they ran out of bullets and food. They were. <laughs> and, uh, they were. Their uh, their manufacturing capacity was was insane. Their uh, their military strategy sometimes was really spectacular, especially they, with their tanks. They were they yeah. were really good with their tanks. Mm-hmm. They uh, but yeah, they didn't. They couldn't feed an army. No. Um, and that, that was, that was the whole push eastward during World War II. Laban's realm as a uh, living room. We got to have, we got to have elbow space to, and, uh, and that was like Hitler's biggest fear was being starved out. Like they got starved out in World War One with the, the naval blockade and everything. So he was going to take Ukraine and he did for a little bit. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it always, it always came back, back to, to food and, and weapons and who can who can make the most of that is usually who wins that that war. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see. I mean, that's kind of how the Taliban were able to to well not necessarily the Taliban the whole time, but you know, all yeah. these groups that we were fighting in in Afghanistan were able to stay is because they figured out how to have access to weapons and food mm-hmm. and they managed to keep that hidden away and managed to mm-hmm. kind of survive kind of like cockroaches for lack of a better uh, term, you know, through well, no, some, it's, tough, it's accurate. Tough and conditions. That, yeah. The terrain suited them and, uh, they, and they lived there. That's, that's also a huge advantage. Home field advantage, uh, plays a big factor in guerrilla warfare. I think, um, in terms of guerrilla warfare, we haven't seen a guerrilla war, we haven't won a guerrilla war ever. Mm-mm. No, um, not since the revolution. Yeah, well, that's when we were fighting as the guerrillas. Yep. Um, and, and I guess to somewhat the Indian Wars that was that was a, a guerrilla war. But man, can you imagine if the if the Indians would have been evenly matched in weaponry uh, from the get go? Not well, a fucking chance. We would have we would have no, conquered. I mean, and if they were as united as they were at like Little Bighorn, mm-hmm. they destroyed the cavalry. I mean, they knew us better than we knew them. Yep. Yeah, they're uh, yeah, really, really great war fighters. But it was uh, it was the same thing though. Like, um, sitting bullies. Like, there's they just keep coming. They just keep coming, and uh, that's that's when they knew it was lost. It's like mm, can't beat them. There's just too many. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's it's wild and now like the like the Russia Ukraine thing is is this like 
weird kind of throwback slash hybrid, incredibly high tech war. But uh, the most of the the most of the actual fighting is just essentially World War One style trench warfare. Yeah, with with cooler guns and drones. Yeah, just drones everywhere. (laughs) Drones of all kinds everywhere. I I mean, you'd be. I would shoot down my own drones. I'd be like, I don't care. Nothing is, if you fly something over me and I can see it, I'm going to shoot at it. Yeah. Cause who knows when the uh, fucking grenade's just going to drop out of that thing. Yeah. And, uh, it, that's, that's the craziest. And then just being able to see all this footage on telegram and, and Twitter, just, you know, almost real time. Yeah. Watching them fight, I was I've been following along. There's a a, a team of American volunteers fighting over there, yeah. Ukraine, and it's sometimes their tactics are dumb, and I think that's yeah. they're not doing you know our tactics, and they don't quite. It wouldn't be something that I would do. Not that I'm saying that I do well over there or anything, but yeah, you know, it's interesting to see how they fight. I mean, I've done some training with with a couple Ukrainians. I've done training, obviously, with the Estonians. Um, and they fight like Russians. You know, they're yeah. very much like, hey, we're going to gather up, you know, as many people as we can, and we're just going to throw them at you. Yeah. Until you yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's that. That's essentially how it's gone in in Ukraine. And... Russia's just got more people they can throw at that problem too. That's that's the whole thing with, like, I don't know. I've, I've listened to a lot of a lot of different military guys um, talk about that too. And there's like it's it the uh, the weapons are updated slightly. I mean, I mean, the, the, I wouldn't say slightly. There's there's a lot of updated weapons, but they still just fight like Russians. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, well, okay, so. We sent them all the, those tanks and shit to, uh, to help break through in this counteroffensive, and they lost like sixty percent of them in two weeks. You're like, oh. the Russians' That's equipment is garbage, but they know how to use it. Yep. You know, I've seen videos of they they pulled out a few T thirty four tanks. Those are the tanks they used in World War Two. Yeah, T thirty four, which was like the king of the like that was the king of the hill in World War Two was the T thirty four. Yeah. Like those are better than the, the German tanks. Well, they used it better. I don't know if I would yeah. say it was better. Very yeah, much. Maybe. It was cheap manufactured, but they figured out how to use it the right way. And once yeah. they were able to deplete the Germans enough, they definitely overwhelmed them. Same yeah. way we did it with the Shermans on the coming from the, the Western side was, you know, we couldn't beat a Tiger tank one-on-one in most no. scenarios just on paper. But, you know, when you – it's not. It's not the plane. It's it's the pilot. You know. It's not. Yeah. The tank, it's the driver or the commander, whatever you want to be specific. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to see also the uh, difference in the mental health and resilience that you're seeing over there. You know, versus the wars that we were fighting. You know how yeah. I, mental health isn't the right word. The the public viewership, I guess the how they view the war in Ukraine. You know, it's not like they're like, Oh, I just wish this would be over already. I'm sure they are, but you know, they're, they're supporting it, you know, but in, uh, when we were in Afghanistan, they're like, we want, there's no reason for us to be there. Yeah. We got the guy who did nine 11. Why are we still there? Right. 
And and why the fuck did it take so long to get him in the first place? You know, like why why didn't we take him out when we had him? You know, that he was trapped, and we just let him slip away because they you know they were like it was gonna look bad if we deploy the army now. Like, so did it? How bad did it look for twenty years after that? Yeah, <laughs> you know, what, is that, what like, does that look for us if we got our guy, got our guys back, and didn't have a twenty year war that we lost? Did I? If we could have. Like realistically, that could have been wrapped up by New Year's Day 2002, and that that would have been the biggest fucking win in mili- you know like since World War II. Just like, uh they hit us pretty hard, but we went in and smoked that motherfucker, and we didn't even spend a year doing it. Yeah, come at me, bro! Fucking come at me! Yeah, I don't know why that wasn't the case. I didn't. Yeah. I grew up. I grew up, and we watched. You know the names of the guys who died fighting a useless war. Yep. In Afghanistan, show up on the news in the morning before school. Mm-hmm. When my family and my cousins were deployed, we'd be. I'd be watching for their names. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, why did we subject people? Why do we su- subject our our uh, our military and our families to that when there was really no point to it after we got them? And yeah. That would that was still a ten year thing. They didn't get them until two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I remember there's a video <laughs> of Ron Paul saying like, "If we don't get out now, he's talk. He's speaking to Congress. Like, we got him. If we don't get out now, we'll be there for another ten years." And you're just like, "If that dude's not a prophet, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. is nowadays." Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's uh. I, I look at all this stuff and I'm worried because like we that you know when I was we were talking I think it was the last uh last couple of fence post politics um like the budget that they're getting ready to put out 50 or the, like the number that they agreed upon so the speaker of the house and the senate minority or majority leader the the number they agreed on it was like 900 billion for for defense spending which is not defense spending is war spending um but that's like 50 54 of the total budget for the year and you're like yeah. you, you don't spend that much money on your army if you're not going to use it yeah. <laughs> and the the worst part of it is like we are not ready for a war like we oh. we are not ready especially the wars that we look like we're picking like even Say the weakest of them, Iran, uh, between you know Russia and China and Iran. Iran's the weakest of the military for sure. But that's uh, it's still a country that's like four times the size of Iraq with mountains, mm-hmm. and uh, and a way better military than than Saddam ever had. Well, oh, without a doubt. So. Like that, that's no, it's not going to be a walk in the park. Like we can definitely level some shit, but once, once we go in on the ground, it's not going to be real fun. Like, so if we're not ready for that, we're damn sure not ready to, to go up against China or Russia. And, uh, and we're starting to see after all the, the Ukraine stuff. And I don't know how much of it is due to their tactics versus ours, or just how how much um, our technology advantage doesn't really exist that much, you know? It's like 
we're uh for for all the the cool shit that we supposedly sent over there they're they don't have a whole lot of sh to show for it no and it goes back to it ain't the plane it's the pilot but at the same time you know some of those things it's a little bit like look if they can't figure out a way to win with what we gave them yeah yeah at least get you in a favorable spot which like having somebody in a shooting competition outshoot you with a, a precision rifle at a thousand yards with their 22 lever action marlin yeah you know, it's like if he's able to do that with that you ought to be able to do a lot more with what you're what you've got yeah yeah and i don't know but you look at that whole deal like we depleted our our ammunition stockpiles um like we had to we had to essentially reroute a bunch of equipment that was meant for Israel to send to Ukraine, um, partially because the other NATO countries aren't holding up their end of the bargain. No, we're the uh, we're basically funding that war right now. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, like I don't know how how Europe can be so casual about their like their. I mean, they're just like, oh, I guess the the Americans got it. Is kind of what they're their their That's attitude is but um you'd think they'd learn a few lessons from history but i was uh i was listening to a book from pat buchanan it was i was all on world war ii and he called it the the unnecessary war and blamed churchill for a lot of it <laughs> and a lot of it goes went back to the war guarantee they gave poland like that, we're gonna we're gonna come, we're gonna ride to your rescue if Germany invades, and and that gave Poland a false sense of confidence. They wouldn't give back Danzig, which is what really what Hitler wanted was Danzig because it was German before World War One, and um, I, I guess ish. Either way, they're like they had, yeah, they had they had a somewhat legitimate claim on Danzig. The people of Danzig, for the most part, wanted to be back with with german prussian whatever and long story short england there there was no way england could come to the rescue of of poland and they found out because not only did poland get raped by russia they got or by germany then they got raped by the soviets for 50 years and uh <laughs> like chances are if uh if he wouldn't have had to fight you know, France and England over over Poland, he would have took Danzig and then shifted his, his focus to Ukraine. And who knows where it would have went from there. But, like, Western Europe didn't really need to get involved. America damn sure didn't need to get involved. It, it worked out for us in the long run, but, I mean, kind of, anyways. But, um, I don't know. It's it's funny in in the short term it, it worked out good, but then the further we get from World War Two, and you're like ah, this whole being an empire thing is uh, it's gonna come crashing down at some point. Yeah, it, and it will. It yeah. will. It'll come crashing down hard. Yeah. Well, or uh, I I'm curious as to what. So you were in for for four years. Three years. Three years. Yeah, I would have probably done more. Um, I I actually was getting ready to to drop a packet to to try and go to ranger school and to maybe um, try out. I w I'm not going to say I would have made it. I doubt I would have, but try out for Delta. They have an uh, an opportunity where you can do. They call it the long walk, 
mm-hmm. so instead of going through special forces and doing all of that and then going, you can just go straight in. And uh, I, I, we had plans, you know, me and my, my buddies and my leaders, we were like, we want to do this kind of thing and we want to, you know, make it work. And then all of a sudden I wasn't able to shoot anymore. I, it took me a long, I lost the, I used to be able to shoot with both hands, like for, uh, left and right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was, you know, on top of it and uh, I lost basically all motor function that I had with my left hand. So Damn. I went from being able to write legibly and everything to uh, having to relearn how to catch and throw a football. Huh. So it, it really kind of took, took me out of the fight for a little bit. Well, yeah. For the rest of my career. That sucks. Yeah, that that's shitty. Um, yeah, because like that, you don't just become Delta. You don't just become, you don't even just become a paratrooper. You know, that's still like every time you, you add another level, it's a, the, the training gets more intense and the, the weeding out process becomes more targeted. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's, yeah. So like when you, you get to like, you're, you're getting ready to to make that that trip, and then it's just done. That yeah, that that's shitty. How'd you how'd you handle that? Not well. I met my now ex wife during it, and so she kind of picked up a lot of the slack that I had dropped. Mm. So until we split, I really didn't know, you know, how much I was really down outside of like the physical issue. Mm. Um, definitely threw a huge curveball. I mean, that was that was my identity, you know, for better or for worse. That was who I was. I was a soldier and I was damn good at it. Yeah. And, um, losing that really kind of threw me for a loop. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, what I was supposed to be wanting to do. You know, I wanted to be better and I didn't want to leave, but the army was like, we can't, you know, you're a liability now. Yeah. You know, what happens if you lose hearing or vision in the middle of a firefight, you know, then you're just dead weight. Yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. And then that's one thing about the army is they, uh, when you're not needed, they don't, they don't care a whole lot. It's sorry about your bad luck, get out, and you're lucky if you get sorry about your bad luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I got really lucky because it was technically the army's fault. So, you know, I got injured on what they consider on paper a combat, you know, exercise and. And so I walked away financially stable for the rest of my life, but you know, mentally and everything else is is still a little iffy. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're doing better than you were, anyways. So yeah, yeah that's absolutely that's a plus. That's a plus. You, uh, physically, are you are you kind of about back to normal or close to it? You know, I don't think I'm ever going to have the same ability that I had with my left hand before. You know, my yeah. the ability to kind of be amb- ambidextrous and, you know, but I, I, I'm i still, you know, I'm back on a horse, you know, I'm back working back in the saddle and that's been helping a lot too is the balance part of it was kind of a big issue because it really screws yeah. those TBIs, especially if they're in that frontal lobe or right here, they really can screw with your balance. And so that was a big thing that I worked on and I've put a lot of physical therapy and a lot of time into making sure that I was good. Yeah. I, uh, you know, my, my dad always said growing up when we were working with horses, he said sweat lubricates the brain. And I, I think that uh, that's a hundred percent true for horses as well as humans. I like get just, 
don't know. There's uh I don't know. There's a, there's a reason why I think just dudes should work out. Like just get sweaty. Like it's uh, it, it's good for you. It uh there's just I don't know. There's like my, I'm 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 figuring this out with my son too cuz you know, he's uh teaching him how to, to like just grit your teeth a little bit and keep going because if yeah, you do it. it it just it's better on the other side like it, it's worth it once you do but it's just that teaching that just the mental toughness to to get through it is is one thing and i don't know um it, it's uh <laughs> it's one of the reason i'm i'm really glad he he uh we got him in wrestling and Cause there, there, there is nothing worse than getting your ass kicked in wrestling. Like that, that is the absolute worst. Absolutely. I, uh, my dad was a wrestler. Um, and my mom's cousin's kids were like two of the best wrestlers. The state of Wisconsin has ever seen. Wisconsin's got a lot of good wrestlers too. Oh yeah. That corn fed out there. Um, and I remember cause my dad taught me a few moves. I had some friends who were wrestlers you know, this was when I was still pretty young. And so I, these these guys, they must have been like five, six, you know, years older than me. They were pretty pretty big compared to me. And I was trying to fight them. And I remember I got put I got put in a chokehold, scared the crap out of me. I went back for more. They put me in a banana lock. I was like, that, mm. that's done, you know. And then they got me in an arm bar. And I'm like, I'm never going to fight somebody on the ground again. I'm just going to cheat, you know. Yeah. That, that, that taught me. <laughs> I'm not like they were always preaching. You, know, you got to have your combatives, and I'm like, I don't have to have combatives if I'm fast with my knife or my sidearm. Yeah, you know, I I would rather I know how to overpower someone. But if you know what you're doing, if you're coming at me and you know how to take me down, and you're of equal strength to me, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna keep an even playing field. Yeah, I'm gonna find yeah. a way to to overpower it. But uh, I remember my buddy; he was like. JV like state champion in Colorado our his senior year is a year older than us and I remember I had finally started I hit my growth spurt and I kind of filled out yeah and so from going from being a beanstalk to more of like a tight end kind of busy like big thing uh and I remember I just took him down he tried to do a little monkey thing on me and I just flipped him over and laid on him yeah I was like if I can't do that to everybody I fight you know I'm gonna make sure that I don't have to fight anybody like that. Yeah. I, one of the, I guess it'd probably be the last bar fight I got into is up in Montana. And as a kid was a wrestler and I, I'd wrestled a little bit in high school. So he, he shot, shot a takedown. I just sprawled and yeah. And he was way smaller than me. So I, I sprawled, hit him in the belly a couple of times and then, uh, and then just laid there and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm done whenever you are, you know, I like this ain't going anywhere. Oh, like yeah. I, I'll legit hurt this guy if I keep going. Yeah. And, uh, and I, that's not, I was not big either. I mean, I was, that was, that was when I was in Montana and I was, Oh, it'd have been about six months before I, I, I tried out to go to the Marine. So I was in, like I was in pretty good shape, but I didn't weigh a whole lot. I was one, one sixty five, one seventy, maybe. And this kid, I don't know, he had to have been like buck fifteen, soaking wet, you know. Yeah. And, uh, it's like I, I, I admire the the grit, but the, this is not going to end well for you if I, if we keep going. So I just, yeah, it's kind of laid there, and they, uh, yeah, I, I just, I remember in 
in high school I had to I had to wrestle some pretty some pretty stout kids like really good wrestlers too and that that sucked so bad they're just like you can't do anything they're they're on you you just they got their armpit like right in your face and you know and you're just like there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it you're just like ah the only way you can do you can make this not suck so bad is to get better at it like i told my kids that it's like that with wrestling there's you know it's one thing to lose a football game it's one thing to lose a baseball game but it just get worked in a wrestling match that sucks so hard and uh yeah you don't you don't get over that without getting better like you just that's the only way you have to get better I think uh, it's the same thing that kind of goes with everything. You know, you get your yeah. your ass handed to you in anything, and you know, unless you're unless it's just a fluke, you made a couple mistakes and you you yeah. let the guard down. The only way to to prevent that from happening is to get better. Or to yeah, cheat. yeah, that that too, that too. Um, yeah, so like my my daughter on when the tournament we went to here a couple weeks ago. She got worked for the first. She had four matches. First three, the the girls were were pretty good. Had wrestled quite a little bit, and uh, they didn't make it out of the first round. She got pinned, uh, but she didn't really get like she was getting frustrated. She was like, "I just want to win." Last girl that she had to wrestle, she 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 won that match, essentially. But the points didn't say so. Like she she dominated the whole time. But she just got frustrated and forgot all of her. Like kept kept going for the head, kept going for the head. The, ah. the the takedown was there, you know. Like it was, she was giving her everything except her head. And it's like shoot for the legs one time, please. Just shoot for the legs. And you and uh, yeah, the girl ended up getting an escape, and that that was the she lost by one point. And it's like, well, what'd you learn? And she's like, this is not fun. Well, get better, and it will be. Get better and it will be. It's it's real yeah. fun to put the hurt on people. I like fighting people in that one sixty five and below weight class. So I just <laughs> throw them around. Yeah, I uh, I learned enough combatives and enough wrestling over the years that I can throw a steer around. I can bulldog enough to mm. come out in the pen, and that's all I need. You know, I'd rather yeah. I'd rather trade blows. You know, I yeah. fell out of a plane, then my head was still fine. All right. It takes, <laughs> I got a chin. it takes it takes gravity and a 45 mile an hour impact to knock me out so yeah that i mean that that'll do it that uh i've uh i've only been knocked out cold once i think and uh that was a that was a handyman jack to the side of the jaw uh yeah um but I, I've I've had a few concussions over the years, but I got a I got a pretty stout chin. I, like I may not hit very hard, but I I can absorb a punch and I got yeah. <laughs> I still got pretty decent cardio. Um, I was I ran I ran six miles today at an eight eight thirty pace. So for thirty eight years old, I was like I'm I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'd say doing so. all right. I'd say so. I so. Uh, I've been I'm down in Florida right now. Um, until May when I'm going back out, I'm going out to Texas and then up to Wyoming in the fall. But uh, down here, it's so easy. I ran a mile the other day at like a six thirty, and I wasn't feeling it. And I was like, "Oh man!" And then I it's went just, home for Christmas, and aside from the cold air, I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm dead." You know, this yeah. Colorado air is killer. 
Yeah, that elevation really makes a, a difference. Like, I, I don't know. I, I was, I'm kind of like you. I grew up in it, so you didn't notice it until you, till you go down to to like sea level, and then, yeah, it's uh, like drinking's easier too. Like, it's, oh, yeah. it's so much harder to get drunk at at sea level. Oh yeah, it's it's. I remember when I went to basic training. You know, I woke up the morning I went to basic. You know, in Wyoming, and then the next day, you know, we're running, and I'm. I'm out of shape. I put on like a college 30, you know, yeah. I, I was, I was probably about two thirty. That's a good 30 though. That's a good 30. It was, it was great. You know, <laughs> all I did with my time was drink and, and ride. And it, it was, I wasted so much of my time to, but it was, it was worth it. Um, yeah. and I go down there and I'm out, I outweigh these skinny kids. There was a guy I raced track against in high school at one of those air force indoor meets. He was mm-hmm. from Mexico. And he actually was in my basic training class, um, and he w- he and I were keeping pace with each other. And he was oh, in wow. shape. He he had been running in college, and I was out here looking like a lineman running a six minute mile. You know, That's hardly funny. breaking a sweat. How tall are you? I'm six foot three. I'm a six big boy. Three. Yeah, so you can you can uh, you can stride it out, cover some ground. I that's I'm uh, I'm. I, my, my frame is, is like five ten my five nine five ten but like my wingspan's about six foot. My, my legs are fair. I, I got like a shrunken torso kind of. So like I'm, I'm, I'm built for like striding and then like, like I'm good on, I'm good a horseback cause I got long, longer limbs, I guess. Is, is yeah. Kinda... <laughs> but I, yeah, on the, when I was in like junior high, I, I'd run, uh, like the 800 was my was my event and i i meddled every every meet uh won it several times and then i didn't run track again till i was uh i guess i was a senior in high school all those guys that i used to run against in in eighth grade they all got really tall like beanpole type frames and i was still yeah. short and stocky and uh yeah they i just i i didn't have the I wasn't meant to be a distance runner. Like I, I can keep a pace pretty good, but like the to to win races like that, nah. I couldn't I couldn't keep uh you know a minute quarter mile going like that that type of pace is insane, you know. I uh I don't know if you, have you ever heard of the Simplot games up in Idaho? I've heard it's of it, yeah. Huge indoor track meet um in Pocatello. I think that's Idaho State, I want to say. I think so, yeah. Um, cause Idaho's in Moscow, Moscow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, so my junior year I transferred high schools, um, and the high school I went to, we had an indoor track team. Like they, they, the big focus at this school that I went to was track that like they were a sports hmm. school and track was one of the ones that we were the best at in the state. And so we go out there and I've never, it's a wooden track and it's banked. So it's like those, it's like a NASCAR track with the banks yeah. on the curves, but you weren't allowed to wear spikes if you were running a distance event, I had ne- I had not since my freshman year of high school run a race without spikes. Oh, the way I take off, I would always end up with like heat blisters. Like my feet basically melted off because I gripped the ground. I just created, I just pulled myself forward. And so I go to start and the, the gun goes off and I slipped. My foot went straight out behind me because I was wearing like these cross country shoes. But, uh, uh I remember I, I was killing it. Um, my first 800, I ran at a 212 in nice. a mile. 
And then I finished at like a 448 because nobody could keep up with me in my heat. I got, you know, I got kind of the shit end of the stick there. And so I had a hundred yard lead by the time I finished and I was kind of, I was, I was going fast, but not fast enough. Yeah. That was, that was crazy trying to just that. I remember that slip, you know? Yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm screwed. And they were already, it's a 200 meter track. So they were already 50 yards ahead of me almost. Some yeah. of them, so I, I was able to take off. You know, it cost me a couple seconds for sure. Huh. That's crazy. I think I think I ran a five forty two uh at Lyman when I was in my senior year of high school. That was the fastest I've ever ran a mile. And I got fifth place. <laughs> I was like I I puked after that and I was like, I can't if I if I ran myself to a puke and I still can't even get like the actual medals, I'm this is not my event anymore. I uh, I don't know what it was. I, I I was just born to run long distance. That was my thing. I'm quick, sure. Yeah. But you know, I, I I you know, in a game of soccer, I'm a guy you don't have to sub out. Yeah. But you know, when it comes to speed, I'm not catching anybody. I'm gonna catch them at the end of the game when they're gassed. Right. That's me. Yeah. Speed. Like I I can but, keep a pace. Um. But I got. I and I can I could run those distance, but distances no i mean i won't say no problem i can i can get it i'm i'm too yeah. too dumb to quit i'm just not i don't the speed part's not there i mean that's that's kind of how it is uh my buddy my best friend he's in the marines right now he's deployed um on that boat um in uh i guess i don't know where he is now but uh the one that's over the, on the mu that's supporting the group in yemen right now oh okay so Um, he's somewhere in the indian ocean somewhere or he was he might be on his way back now who knows Mm. but um he's he's about six foot but it's all torso yeah so he has the legs of a five foot eight man but his torso is super long so he he can outlift he can he can maybe out swim me at this point but when it came to running you know i did take off and he couldn't keep up Mm-hmm. but uh it's it's about body shape you know it's the same reason i can't ride bulls anymore yeah my torso got long after my legs stopped growing and my torso kept growing and then i wasn't able to to sit on them the same way you know yeah. i started looking like one of those uh car dealership inflatable <laughs> the wacky waving inflatable yeah, yeah that uh, i i only got on one bull ever and that, that was plenty for me but i yeah, I, I was. I, I guess I always had pretty decent balance, and then yeah, I got long, long enough levers compared to the rest of my body that it, you know, I was able to. I was able to ride bucking horses decent, but yeah, I never, I never, I've never rode competitively bucking horses wise, but I've always been able to, you know, for the most part, get by a, get by something that wants to buck. Yeah, um, uh, I used to be pretty decent. Um, on bucking horses and then uh i had to uh then i kind of stopped riding them my mm. last the last one i rode i won but you know at least at least in an arena you know i've, yeah. I've ridden the other day so i i uh kind of going to where where i wanted to talk to you i've been going to this uh equine therapy ranch that's run by a vet for vets and uh they kind of let me work the horses and uh one of the 
the trainer, she was like, Hey, this horse needs to be ridden. You know, she's not been every time you get up in the saddle, she, she bolts. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'll do some cowboy stuff. Absolutely. And so I, I, uh, we've got her in the round pen. We don't have an arena out there per mm-hmm. se. Um, cause it's Florida. It's just sand. It can't, it's also a small operation. Yeah. And, uh, so we're in the, uh, the round pen just so she can't just take off, but she decides that since she's in the round pen, uh, she doesn't want to bolt today. She wanted to buck. And so I swing up in the saddle and I get, I've got one foot, I've got my left foot in the stirrup and I'm not even on the saddle yet. She starts taking off and then she starts bucking. So I'm sitting on her ass. My left hand is hanging onto the reins and the, <laughs> the saddle horn and I'm getting bucked. <laughs> I'm not even in the saddle and I got thrown <laughs> uh, forward. <laughs> So like when you're when you're when you're on a horse and you're not expecting a buck, you don't realize how 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 you know bronchy it's getting. She got so bronchy, I got thrown in front of her. Oh shit! And she ran past me. So we spent I spent four hours on her making sure she wasn't going to do that again. <laughs> That's yeah. That there's always that moment like when you swing your leg up and uh, and if they don't yeah if nothing stupid happens everything kind of kind of slows down for a minute while you, while you catch your stirrup but then there's those times when they yeah that doesn't happen and they just shit shit fires off and you're like ah fuck it's like i'm done i'm not i'm not dealing with you today and i was like all right yeah um i have got to take a piss super bad so let's uh we'll pause this but i, I want to then we'll come back i want to hear about this this operation you got going on yes sir Ah, we're back. <coughs> so, all right. How'd you how'd you get hooked up with this uh, with this uh, equine therapy deal? So, I had done a little bit of research into it, um, especially dealing with the stuff that I was dealing with uh, with the PTSD and the uh, issues I was having physically. Um, and how that was helping vets. And one day, um, I actually, um, I kind of had a big mental break, ended up be, uh, being listed as a missing person. I just decided to, to drive as far as I could until I ran out of money and ended up in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi. Oh, um, no shit. From yeah. where did you start? Uh, Panama City Beach, Florida. Okay. Yeah, so... I made it pretty far, but I was out of money. I ended up throwing my phone out the window so the government couldn't track me. So nobody knew where I was. Nobody had any idea which direction I was going. But when I got back from that, you know, kind of picked myself back up. I, uh, I was like, you know, I, I can't do this. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put my parents through hell. You know, I put my friends through hell. I've got a friend, she's studying abroad and, and she got the call and she thought that, you know, I had died, you know, she was busy dealing with Mm. that. She's like, no one knows where he is. Um, I would have been the fourth, fifth, fifth person in my unit. You know, I would have been the second retired guy and then the fifth overall to kill themselves last year. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm fuck. not going to do that. You know, I, I'm tired of losing my friends. I'm tired of feeling, you know, like I'm out of out of options and something that's always helped. I'm um, here. I'm just putting you up on the screen. Uh, historically for me at least has been horses, you know, being on a horse, I, I've never felt a true 
truer sense of freedom except for falling through the sky um, with a parachute. And so I, uh, I wanted to try to see if there's anything around me um, that did stuff um, like that, that, that would be able to kind of facilitate that. And I was lucky. I found this, <laughs> this guy who had started, he was a face, he was in for about 40 years. Um, and he was a chaplain and, uh, he, he had started this, you know, cause he, he had been through hell, you know, as a chaplain, you're seeing everybody, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not, you're not just seeing, you know, the soldiers, you know, within your unit go, you're seeing their families when they have issues, you're seeing their children, you're seeing all this and you know he was fed up with it too um you're seeing all the combat shit plus all of the other just bullshit that people have exactly and so he started this uh it's about 40 minutes out of out of town up north um where they rescue the horses um and not all of them are rideable a lot of them are like old you know lawn ornaments you know their owners mm-hmm. got too old to take care of them and they got too fat or too skinny or whatever. You can't ride them anymore. But he, he really, he had no idea what he was doing going into it. Um, he just knew that that was something that, that had helped people. And so he mm-hmm. got a, he's got a, he got in contact with the VA and was able to have like a therapist come out and facilitate, you know, therapy for the vets um, and, and uh, work the horses and, and everything. And I got lucky that, you know, it was close enough to me that it was kind of almost an everyday thing. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of given me a little direction. You know, I was in college so that I could take over my ex-wife's family business, you know, down the road. And, you know, that was no longer there. I was like, well, my only skills are shooting and, and riding horses. You know, that's not going to be put much to much to much use now in 2023. And uh, it kind of gave me a little bit renewed sense of purpose, what I want to do. And so, um I've started building the foundation of my own. Um, and I, you can see it on the screen. I, I've called it the Chandler project. Um, uh, named after my friend Chandler, who is one of my groomsmen. He, uh, he lost his fight with his demons last March. Um, mm. and it, it kind of rocked. It didn't, it was one of those that it, rocked my my world and and it and it was a surprise but at the same time it was like not a surprise yeah and knowing that in my head i carried a lot of that guilt with me like as if it was something that it was my fault even though Mm. it wasn't you know he would have done it or he wouldn't have um and he did i nothing i could do about it i wasn't even in the state anymore but my goal with this is to ensure that that doesn't happen to anybody else. Yeah. Um, and I, I've also known, I, I've worked the national Western stock show. I've worked, uh, you know, on ranches up in the Laramie Valley up in Albany County, Wyoming. And, and I've seen friends on the ag side die, um, yeah. and lose their, lose their battles with demons or, or, you know, uh, or die and their families are left to pick up the pieces because they were, you know, doing something stupid or just something stupid happened. And so I I want to be able to not just serve veterans. I don't want to just serve, you know, whatever community I'm in. I'm trying to serve, you know, the ag community. I'm trying to serve veterans. I'm trying to serve the people around wherever I'm going to set this up. But 
you know, what I'm kind of coming to a, a quandary at, I know how I'm going to help the vets and it's by, I'm going to put them on a horse and I'm going to tell them to go work cows with me and I'm going to yell at my friends. Yeah. Um, but I know that a lot of the cowboys I, I worked with are not going to want to come out to my ranch to just do what they do for money, you know, for free yeah. or whatever. And, and so what I've been trying to, trying to figure out is how I can, manage to fit all of these things into one box, how I'm mm-hmm. going to be able to help all these different people from all these different walks of life. Um, Cause I'm about, I, 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 uh, I'm about plum tired of losing my friends, Matt. I, I really am. I'm tired of funerals, especially funerals for people, my own age, people who, mm-hmm. you know, who aren't old. Right. And so, that's that's kind of what my focus is. I, I had a meeting with the National Western, uh, the the director of partnership, um, talking about putting their name on it and what they what they can offer and how they can help. And um, I've talked with the USDA and uh, I met with this guy from El Paso who puts on charity concerts that will promote you know whatever the thing is. And I, I'm working that side pretty well, but I want to be able to make sure that when I get this up and running, I'm not leaving somebody in the lurch. Yeah. Well, it sounds, it sounds awesome. I, uh, cause I, I, I'm the same way with you on like, I'm tired of losing people that we shouldn't be losing, whether it's suicide, whether it's drinking themselves to death, whether it's just getting too damn fat. And, and, you know, dying of diabetes at 55, you know, there's, there's too many of those that were just like, I, yeah, I'm tired of it. And you're just, that's where like, I get, have less and less tolerance for, for like people that just like, yeah, I, I was fat and out of shape my, my own damn self. I'm still not where I want to be, but like, it's not that damn hard just to move your body and live a few years longer. You know, Absolutely. and may, maybe not have a pile of medical bills that you got to leave off to your kids because uh, because you just didn't want to sweat a little bit. You know? Yeah, I and, do. And and, uh, and the same thing. It just like it, it goes the same way with the booze. Like, all right, drink six less beers and go run a couple miles or go lift some weights. Go do something. You'll go get on another horse instead of, uh, you know, delay your, your beer start time by a half hour and ride another horse. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's, uh, <laughs> it's something that people are kind of forgetting how to do. Yeah. I think a lot of people would rather be lazy than, than to fix their own issues. I know I've been there, mm-hmm. you know, the therapy thing is, it's something I'm necessarily a fan of needing because I still see it as something as wrong as it is, is something that I shouldn't need. You know, I should be stronger than what I'm going through, but that's not really the case. You know, I know people who have lost, you know, their dads because the price of cattle dropped and he just couldn't handle that. And so he figured, you know, sell the ranch, sell the cattle and let my kids collect the insurance, you know, because that's easier. And that's a temporary uh, temporary problem with a permanent solution. Yeah. You know, and it's, it is lazy in my personal opinion to, to be like, well, I can solve it like this. Sure. You can. Sure. Yeah. You can, but it doesn't solve it for, it makes a problem for somebody else. Yeah. Well, and I, I had this, um, oh, I posted a poll 
the other day on uh, Italy banning uh, fake meat, this lab meat stuff. And, yeah. Uh, and part of me is really thrilled that, that some action is being taken, but also... I feel like that is like banning it is uh, is an incredibly lazy move, uh, particularly coming yeah. from the ag community. I I think it is far more productive to do the work and either ridiculing it, mocking it, or outright explaining why this stuff is terrible. Um, but do that work instead of just saying nope, you can't do that because it just um let it fail on its own. I think it's bound Absolutely. to fail. Um, but the more we take like steps towards restricting shit like that, the, the more suspicious people get about agriculture and they're already suspicious about agriculture. And you know, like, so I let, let her, let your own product stand on its mar uh, on its laurels, you know, win the yeah. argument. And, uh, Absolutely, I agree with that. <laughs> and, and I think uh, there's, there's so much to be said about, like all parts of, of, uh, of whatever it is, you know, like if, uh, you know, making, making your ranch work in this, in this economy, I, I mean, it's, it takes sacrifice. It takes some, it takes a lot of fucking work. And, and sometimes it takes doing shit that, you know, you have no idea where it's going to end up. You're just like, I don't know, but the, whatever I have been doing is not working. So like, I. Yeah, and it's like I'm I'm tired of seeing small farmers and ranchers just go out of business too, because uh, because you know for whatever reason I I, I hate to see yeah. it I I fucking hate to see it and uh, and and how much of it could could have been prevented by doing a, doing work little doing a, either doing a little extra work or working a little harder on something some some other aspect yeah. you know and it just. Uh, I don't know. I, it just uh, there's a lot of lazy, a lot of lazy, and I'm I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. But man, it just a lot of lazy. Yeah, I I see it. You know, with with the amount of effort people are putting in. You know, I, I haven't been I hadn't been to the stock show since 2020, the last year that I worked it before I was in the army. Um, and the amount of people who weren't there. And when I asked, you know, my buddies who were, I was like, where are these guys? They're like, oh, yeah, their ranch folded. Their operation's done. They can't afford to make it out here anymore. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, why? They're like, oh, they made bad decisions. I was like, well, how hard is it to, to make the right decision, really? Yeah. You know, is it just a matter of uneducation? Is it a matter of of lack of effort, you know? Is it a matter of my, my biggest thing? I'm not anti-capitalist by any means, but I'm definitely anti-corporate capitalist. Mm -hmm. And these corporate ranches, you know, like express ranches and, and, and these companies like that that are just buying up all this land and all of this, you know, buying out these people. They're, they're out competing them because mm -hmm. you know, they can afford to drop their beef prices by a dollar. Yeah. You know, I know a family down in Oxford, Mississippi or outside of it who, who has a family farm and they they used to be. Uh, the people who sold to the grocery stores down there, but then the grocery stores got up, bought, bought out by Kroger. Kroger had its corporate ranches already set up, mm -hmm. and so now they can only sell at farmers markets at you know a quarter of the amount that they used to produce at a fraction of what they used to be able to make. Yeah, it's uh, it really is like that. Like when you get into that corporate stuff, it's gross. Um, how how would I? 
how it all works out. I mean, the the Tyson story. It's uh, I mean, it's an American story. That dude scratched and clawed and made something out of nothing. <laughs> created a monster that I don't know if it can ever be stopped. I don't know if it ever will. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, and it's uh, it's cyclical too, because. Um, when when Chicago first uh, was a boom town, it was uh, you know there were there was Packers everywhere, and eventually they consolidated, and there was the Big Four, and here we are again. You know they they split them up, and uh, they I mean, but not I mean, kinda really, not really, and then uh, it just. Yeah, it's always been kind of like that. And when you talk about the corporate ranches, man, all the all the big ranches have always been some sort of corporate owned. Uh, they're you know a lot of lot of foreign investment and uh, and like a lot of a lot of them were publicly traded. You know. Yeah, you're not seeing places like the Yellowstone. Those don't exist. Those haven't existed for at least fifty years. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the White family out in Kansas. They they're the biggest family owned single you know family owned ranch in kansas and they're not the biggest top they're not in the top five anymore yeah you know and you know what what was to say that you know eventually they they won't exist anymore you know they're fighting the same things you know that the duttons are fighting they're fighting these these people who are coming in you know maybe not so much in wamigo kansas yeah but um you know, these places like especially in Colorado, you're not seeing f- spreads anymore. You're not, you're not you're not even I was looking. I was like, well, maybe I want to do it in Colorado so I could be close to the Air Force bases and the, the Army base. And I don't even I couldn't afford the land, let alone yeah. land close enough to enough BLM land to, to have grazing rights. Mm-hmm. You know, you're cutting. It's a continual government and uh, corporate push for these small time farmers and ranchers to up and leave. Yep. It's, uh, I mean, when, when you look on the farm side of it, it's, uh, I mean, it's vertically integrated all to hell, you know, the, the, you got the, the ag credit, uh, bank, which, uh, is like owned by, by a John Deere dealership and, uh, seed companies and you know it just it's all and it's all subsidized too so it's uh i i don't know i don't even know what the the answer to all of it is but i i just know i know that the i like i dislike the the corporations about as much as i dislike the governments you know (laughs) and i I don't like the governments at all yeah um i cannot I mean, I'm looking at, you know, a state like Wyoming where it's like the last vestige of anti-tourism, you know, pro Mm -hmm. pro uh, constituent government, you know, that you might find anywhere. Yeah. Places like Colorado, even Montana now are, are more focused on how they can grow their state rather than how they can ensure that their state and the people who live there are safe and and can live. Yeah. Wyoming's yeah. the only state where you can live on the minimum wage now, from what I've seen. You know, you can live making seven twenty five a week or, or, or yeah. an hour, you know, and and uh 
have a decently comfortable life. Yeah. You can't do that in Colorado. I mean, you have to live off the Colorado minimum wage. It was like 15 bucks down here in Florida. It's the same way. Cause they've just added all this tourism, you know, they've taken away from, from the, from the old way. People are starting to live on the land instead of with it more and more everywhere you go. Yeah. There's uh, there's a lot of fucking people, man. A lot of, a lot of people. And, uh, I, I don't, I don't know how, how, how that all plays out. Like, cause Florida is, um, you know, I mean, it's a booming state. Like people, people are moving like in droves to Florida. Yeah. Particularly after, <laughs> after COVID, but it was growing before then too. Yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> it's been on the up and up, you know, tourism, and development is has been you know their biggest business you know it used to be agriculture mm-hmm. you know all throughout the south and now you know with rise of places like miami and orlando and tampa you know these big big urban areas where you know there's you know corporate jobs you know people are coming and they need somewhere to live so then you know the guy who's been putting his there used to be a ranch out here even in outside of panama city where up until like the late nineties until this big land development company bought it. This, this rancher ranched on the beach, you know, that was his land right up there. You know, it's these, it's taken away from the old way of life. And and it's this, this, uh, this Eastern, you know, American kind of view of, you know, we're just going to stick as many people as we can in this tiny little area until we can't, and then we're going to spread out. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um it's really we got a I mean we're 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 like the Indians. We got overrun and there's there's nothing we can do to stop it. You know, there's uh uh there's just not enough of us. <laughs> you know, but we're um unlike the Indians, uh the, the rest of the country kind of needs the the agriculture people, so uh you know they, uh, and I'm not trying to sound uh, racist. I'm trying to sound realist. Like the the Indians didn't matter to to the U.S. government, so they they could go ahead and starve them out. They uh, they can't really starve the the farmer and the rancher out um, too much, um, or they starve themselves out. You know, um, I I don't know. It's it's uh, I think there's a generation. There's a huge generational gap for sure, but with uh, like the more these boomers start to age out of politics and stuff, the I think I think we're gonna see a r- huge realignment in uh, in in local politics, state politics. Um, the federal government's huge, so it's very slow to change, um, yeah. but shit can happen quick once uh so i I don't know how all that's gonna turn out but i I think i think particularly like my generation um your generation the generation x in particular they um got a real big wake-up call with covid and saw how fragile shit is and uh you're seeing a, a a resurgence of uh of small 
<laughs> small like homestead type farms. Um, and is that going to be a, a huge impact on things? No, not initially, but um, give it a little bit. Um, you know, it took the Free State Project a long time for it saw any fruition in New Hampshire, but um, New Hampshire's uh, libertarian as fuck now with uh, <laughs> and just you know in in the course of about ten years. Yeah, and at least at least as far as their laws go, that they are uh, and their their politicians, um, their state politicians are libertarian as shit. Yeah, you know, all the thing I've noticed with the with the kids and my generation and uh, is a big push towards environmentalism mm -hmm. is a big push towards living with the land instead of living off of it and, and pushing out from these, these developments and everything like, sure. I mean, I, I would love to be a trillionaire and buy the city of Denver and yeah. tell everybody to move and burn all their houses down to the ground and start over, you yeah. know, but you know, that's not possible. So how are we going to, how are we going to keep what we have that's mm. dwindling? How are we going to keep that preserved? Um, yeah. And I really think that it's a, we're moving in the right direction in some aspects. Yeah. And I think, you know, in, in, in terms of immediate effect, we, we, we do have some, some good, prospects for that but you know when it comes to the overall big overarching thing you know we're losing that fight still yeah you know, uh, we're yeah. still always gonna have tyson's and purinas and express expresses you know to mm -hmm. to be for you know their their fair share or and not so fair share of the pie yeah and you know you know what, you know what was really disappointing um to see was how little impact um like alternative media played in the iowa caucus like vivek went on every major podcast outside of like rogan i think but like he hit a lot of big ones and uh still less than eight percent of the vote <laughs> and like how much of that is Trump, how much of that, but still, um, DeSantis and Nikki Haley, who nobody likes, got 20%. And the they're not even in the race anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After <laughs> they're fighting with Trump the whole time, giving him his little endorsement for whatever that's worth. I think DeSantis is a moron. Yeah. He's, but uh, I was uh, I was looking at him after the COVID deal, and I was like, "All right, maybe this guy's a serious individual." And then his campaign rolled out, and I was like, "Oof, yeah." Hmm. And then he had that whole fight with uh, Disney, and kind of got his ass kicked. Absolutely, got his ass whooped. And uh, and I was just like, "Oof, I don't know if I would have picked that fight." You know, Disney's got Disney's got their rights written into the Florida Constitution. Mm -hmm. you're not screwing with Disney. Disney has more lawyers than you could ever hope to produce out of the state of Florida. Yeah. Well, yeah. and they, uh, it's they like, have like, uh, the Florida economy as well. I mean, they exactly. I mean, half of the tourism in Florida is based in Orlando, a state, a city that's landlocked mm -hmm. because of Disney and universal and these media, you know, empires 
Like why, why fight that? You know, yeah. why, why pick, why make that your fight? Why not make it the land developer who continually builds crap houses that are going to be destroyed in the next two years when we have a real hurricane blow through here again, like they did the last time there was one. Right. You know, why, not, why not, you know, pick a fight with somebody who's a, just as big of a bear as you instead of one that's huge. It's, it's like a black yeah. bear, a Kodiak. I, um, I, I just thought it could have been handled so much better than, uh, absolutely. Yeah. There were definitely I, ways to get, to get Disney to, to concede some of their stuff. Mostly you just have to talk about it. Cause like the, the stuff he was pushing back on him was, was all the, like the trans bullshit, which I agree should have pushed back on it, but like using the force of government to ban something is usually the least optimal way to go really about it. What side you pick in terms of the political divide if the yeah. government starts trying to do stuff against what you like, you're not going to stand for it. You know, it doesn't right. matter. And right. eventually, it's... you know, the government keeps doing that. They're going to start that divide's going to get smaller and smaller. Yeah. But you can, as the governor with the bully pulpit, be like, hey, I am really not impressed that this girl who whose family spent all this money to come to Florida to take her to Disney World was greeted by Snow White with a mustache. All right? You know, like, I think we can all agree that we, you know, we shouldn't shouldn't treat people uh, di- with disrespect in our, in our day-to-day lives, but I think we can also agree that this is not normal. We don't have to celebrate this. And in fact, um, you guys are going to lose business, which is bad for me, so I wish you'd stop. You know, it's, and you could do it in a funny way. You could do it, you could do it in a way that, that would make sense, but you can use the bully pulpit. That's what Trump's the best at is just beating the bully pulpit. That's all he does. And, uh, Trump is basically a Southern Baptist preacher from New York. (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much two Corinthians. (laughs) Yeah. He's, uh, but he's he's effect he's an effective communicator like that's uh and and uh Ron DeSantis was not oof he was um and yeah I don't know I just he's uh he's a little slimy um he did he did some good work as governor but then he also yeah he picked some fights that I I didn't I didn't really get um got his ass handed to him and then yeah the the presidential race uh I don't know if he, like, I would imagine he'd probably get reelected in Florida, but, uh, you know, there's only some, I, I think there's probably two, two-term limit or something like that in Florida, so. Yeah. Once you're done, you're done, and uh, I don't know what, what his uh, national ambition, maybe senator or something, but, because I, I don't see him being a, much of Getting a. politics. Yeah. I don't see him being um, much of a like a driving force in national GOP politics um, anytime soon. I mean, GOP is in shambles. Yeah, it's half of them, you know, are are still are starting to lean more and more towards the Ron and Rand Paul, mm-hmm. you know, side of things, and the other half are like Trump is is God above everything. You know, it goes Trump, God, family, country. 
I know it. I, I, I'm like, well, how can you, you know, it's interesting to see the politics. It's like it, it, looking at some of these guys who get elected. I'm like, did you take a political science class? Did you take a government class when you were in a high school, let alone in college? Yeah. You know, you, you're claiming, you know, to be the, this anti-government, you know, small, small government focused on the person. And then the same, in the same breath you're turning and then proposing bills that, Increased federal spending, increased taxes mm-hmm. on everybody but you and your lobbyist buddies. Yep, you know it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, where these people are are figuring where they get off, you know? Yeah, it's I I don't know, man. It, it's it, it's a really dicey time. It feels like you know and. uh Part of part of me is is somewhat relieved that America is so damn fat because um, there that that lessens the chance of being an actual of actual domestic you know internal violence um, just just because of a sheer obesity that 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 plays a you know I guess that's a that's a good thing about obesity um, but like. This shit with Trump, if it if it wasn't such a cartoon world that we live in, like this is some really serious shit that we're this road that we're headed down, you know. And and it's it's like nobody that's in any position of power to do something about it is aware, or they're just oblivious to it. They're just like, no, we can just we can just do this and. People will go along. It's like a what was that? Dang! I mean, it, it's really like the Politburo in, yeah. in you know Soviet Russia. Mm-hmm. It's very much like, well, if you're not with the GOP, you're against it. You know, you're not a Republican anymore. We don't want. We're not going to support you if you're not with the Democrats. You mm-hmm. know, on every single issue. You know, it, it, it's like the only. I watched a, uh, a, comp, a comedian made this joke, um, but basically Republicans and Democrats, if, if the Republicans support A, Democrats hate A. If Democrats yeah. support B, Republicans hate B. But the only thing that they've figured out how to how to be all about is that the Palestinian children aren't, you know, Palestinian people aren't people. Right. And I thought that was interesting. It's like, you know, if even if that's not necessarily the case, it's it's interesting because yeah, the, the things that they align themselves together on and have bipartisan support for are the most stupid things that don't have the support of their constituents. Yeah. You know, I, I, I still have yet to completely understand why we as a people at pick these people to vote for us. And then when they do vote for us, it's hardly ever, you know, with how the people who voted for them would vote. Yeah. You know, I honestly, I can't imagine. I feel like there's a better way, a better system. Have a, a so Colorado says this. You know, the people of Colorado vote for this, and me and my three other, you know, senators, however much we have in Colorado, will vote for this because that's yeah. You know, even if I didn't vote for it, my vote was cast. You mm-hmm. know, representation rather than yeah. Rep- because you're not voting, you're voting for whoever pays you the most, whoever's, 
you know, exceeding your hundred grand a year salary so you can live in, yeah. in um, how, whatever lavish luxury with your six drivers and fancy cars and your kids and Ivy League prep schools. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, corruption has become so diluted, you know, yeah, I mean, really is corruption is no longer seen as corruption. I literally have a Nancy Pelosi stock tracker portfolio that all I do is put money in this account and they buy the stocks and sell the stocks that Nancy Pelosi does. And I am up good money. I'm up like 20%. Uh, I lost the end of October. My dad works. Yeah. When my dad's like, Oh, I'm taking a business trip to this. I'm like, Hey, if, if our friends have stock in Lockheed Martin or can afford to put stock down, they're like, hey, go buy Lockheed, you know? Yeah. As soon as this shit with Russia kicked off, I was like, buy Lockheed. You know, you're yep. going to make money on that than you ever could have imagined with uh, GameStop. Yeah. Raytheon, Lockheed, General Dynamics. Northrop Grumman, the whole yep. nine parts. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking at my my Nancy Pelosi tracker, and it is... Yeah, it's up twenty and a half percent since the end of October. Um, yeah, I, and it's blatant corruption. But I, it, I'm at the point now where it's like, fuck it, the ship's going down. I'm uh, grabbing everything valuable I can on the way to the life, uh, the lifeboat. Yeah, that's kind of all you can do. Yep. And, uh, I'm just really excited because I, you know, my two skills are going to do great in the apartment. <laughs> you know, yeah. when shit goes south. I can ride a horse and I can shoot and I'm going to do just fine. Yeah. See, I'm going to make enough. I'm going to make friends with enough guys that can shoot that, uh, that I can, I can feed an army, you know, and I'll, I'll uh, I'll plink where I have to, but I'll I'll leave the shooting up to the shooters. I'm I'm good with cows. My uncle has some land up in uh out by Fairplay, out by where South Park is in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a very defensible position. And I've told him this numerous times, and he's like, "Well, what happens? You know, are we going to do the Christian thing and let them in?" I'm like, "Absolutely." But at the same time, like I, I'm not going to go out and shoot people. But if they're going to come attack us, everybody who I let in is going to have to be able to shoot. I'm right. not, you know, I'm not about to just let, you know, every little so and so in off the street. You know, like there's a lot of streets up there on the Renica Ridge. But yeah, you know, I, I I'm not going to be sacrificing my own personal safety or anybody else's safety for the for the simple benevolence of it all. Yeah. There's no point in, in ensuring that everybody can can survive if someone's going to come in and make sure no one does. Yep. Yeah, it's uh I you know, I probably think on this stuff more than I should. Um get a little paranoid when you when you start reading the news too much. And uh <laughs> But I, yeah, I think that and it's like, you know, I uh I'm capable enough and I'm uh I'm of the the thinking of the early Mormons where it's like um, be self-sufficient and when it's time, run to the hills and 
burn everything to the ground behind you. I don't like Leave. the Mormons, but I do like that. Now, I'm I'm not uh, subscribing to any of their faith or whatever, but that part of their faith, I think, is badass, and I like it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think the the more we can educate people, the more we can ensure that we won't have to run for the hills because, you know, you can trust your neighbor. You know, that's yeah. something that I've noticed that's gone away. Um, the, my ex was from this little tiny ranching or farming community in uh, Western Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it, it still seemed like you didn't know who your neighbors were, you know? Yeah. You didn't, I couldn't trust the guy who lived across the street, you know, to, to, you know, ensure our safety if something happened. And I think that education and, and community building is something that's really gone away. You know, yeah. the, we've become more, more isolated the closer we are together. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's true. Um, there's plenty of plenty of opportunity to build that stuff back up, though. I've noticed that, uh, particularly now that I my kids are old enough to to get in some different activities, and so like we're in scouts, we're in wrestling, we're in you know we're in we're in all the cool shit that that I used to do too. And, and I'm just like, you know, that shit's still out there. There's no reason that uh, that my kids can't go do do some of that shit too. And uh, and if they want to, they can they can do as much of it as they want. And and but then on the flip side, I was like, if we're gonna be camping all the time, if this if like uh, they 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 want to go do this Eagle Scout shit, I'm gonna have to be there with them, and I can't be a fat lazy turd if, if that's the oh. case. So and uh, so it's it's a, it's one thing about having kids is if uh, if you get them into that stuff, like you kind of want to be there with them and. Uh, got to be in shape at least some sort of shape to do it so it's uh it's uh i think about that and then i think about if everything does pop off like i'm in a pretty ideal spot um you know like it's we live in a bowl it's very easily defensible uh, at least uh unless from the air um that's always that's always an issue but um but outside of that like we got we got a river that that runs through here with with clean water. We got a, you know, energy. Uh, oil would be an issue. Um, pretty pretty oil poor out here, but um, don't need people oil. out in Nevada are pretty self sufficient. You have access oh. to wood. You have access to water. You can yep. keep your horses. You don't need to worry about. I, my big thing is that people are always like, "Well, how are you going to do for electricity?" I'm like, "I don't need it." Yeah. You know, I don't need to doom scroll on Instagram, you know, for yeah. eight hours a day. You know, I when, when shit goes to hits the fan, I'm going to be living my best life. It'll be exactly what I, I've prepared and trained myself for every day of my life. Right. I can hike, I can backpack, I can shoot, I can ride, I I can cut down wood, I can, you know, I know enough about construction and architecture and I can you know, build my home however I like, you know, yeah. and have an oil lamp, you know, with animal fat, you know, render it with lard. Yeah. There's so many old arts, you know, the way the people who, who came out to Colorado and Wyoming and Idaho, mm-hmm. 
figured out how to make make things work, especially on the planes that we just do what they do. They survive yeah. just fine. That's why Colorado is the way it is. If they couldn't do it, then Colorado would be just like Wyoming. Yep. Yeah, there was uh it was they they survived because they had to. And uh yeah, it, it's uh I always think about that, you know, I just, you know, I, and I, cause I'm just, uh, well, kind of, kind of ADD, kind of, kind of slightly autistic. And I just, my mind wanders and I, I, I try to think out these like 30,000 foot view things. And, and, um, and particularly because the more I've researched history and then the more I've talked to guys like you and, and uh, Jeremiah and, and people that have, have been overseas and seen, the the real effects of war and like realize how insulated we are here but we saw through them from 2020 that that whole summer and then leading up to january 6th like um shit gets pretty dicey pretty quick and uh <laughs> we're the most armed nation on earth and uh like if shit popped off i'm headed for the hills because there's not a clear good guy <laughs> you know, that that's about to, to reveal their, you know, their hand. I think that's how it's going to go. I mean, that's, I, at this, at my, my current status as a 23 year old single man, you know, I can, you know, afford to ride around and roam and explore, you know, and do all this stuff. But you know, when I settle down, I, I there is going to be, you know, I'm going to ensure that there is protection for me and mine. You know, yeah. I'm not going to leave anything up to chance. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, Whether or not it's an apocalypse or an economic collapse. Yeah. You know? Well, that, there, that's the thing is that... I don't know what what all it's it's going to be, but I, it it's... Uh, yeah, it feels like we're just we're kind of teetering on the brink of something, something kind of ugly. And uh, I I I like I like my chances because um, the people with most of the guns, I agree with generally about seventy five percent of the uh, of of things, uh, give or take. Um, the people that want to take the guns away with. Uh, from people I don't agree with them on much of anything um, but they won't be armed so I'm not that worried about them uh, the only thing I can really agree on on some level is mental health yeah I I know from my own personal experience um, I was never a danger to others um, yeah. if it wasn't for my pride I would have been more of a danger to myself yeah you know and, you know, I don't, I don't, I pity the man who would have sold me a gun, you know, when I was in the middle of like at my lowest point, because that, yeah. you know, I would have, it, I, he might not have known, but that's what it would have been used for. You know, it's like at the same time, knowing where I'm at mentally now, you know, I'm like, okay, well now you can do your whole check on me, you know? Yeah. Now I'm good. You know, there's people who who need it, genuinely need it, and they can't get it. I think there's a the same reason, you know, 
uh, a lot of black people um, and Hispanic people can't get out, get out of the slums in these big cities um, is because they won't sell it to them. You know, even if they, I, I know a guy who I went to basic with and where he grew up in Chicago, Detroit, where he grew up in Detroit, you know, up there, you know, yeah. upper Midwest. Um, he went back and those laws in Michigan and in, in Illinois are strict, you know, and he's like, well, I'm a veteran, you know, it doesn't matter that right now I'm living at home with my mom while I get, you know, my next steps figured out. Um, I'm a vet, you know, I'm, I've passed all the background checks. I've done everything. I just got dishonorably discharged and they wouldn't pass my background check because of where he lived. Huh? Because the only thought was that he's legally owning a firearm to commit crime, you know, cause he lived in the ghetto mm. and it's like, how can we, you know, as, as a populace say, Oh yeah, no, that's okay to do that. But you know, but you know what happens when some shit between the, the Crips and the Bloods or whoever, I, those are the only two gangs I know besides yeah. from, you know, MS 13, you know, shit between them kicks off. You know, what are, what is he going to do? You know, yeah. when they're taking down his door because they owe, he owe, or his family owes them protection money yeah. for not shooting them, you know, all the hell, you know, how are you going to allow that? And then, the other thing too is the same thing with drugs. You you make drugs illegal. The more drugs are illegal, the more you know. The bigger that black market gets. Weed in yep. Colorado, illegal sales of it have dwindled to like next to none because the taxes aren't incredibly high. Yeah, and they've been able to control it, and they've been able to like the as shitty as it. I mean, they forced the cartel to go heavier into heroin. You know, out of Greeley. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, well, we can't sell weed here anymore because everybody just has an older friend who can go to the dispensary and get it, you know, and they don't have to get it from the guy in the corner. Yeah. I had a a dude who dealt in North Carolina. That was how my wife was able to get her her gummies and stuff for her anxiety was I I knew the guy, like one of the the dealers. And he was like, yeah, man, I really hope North Carolina makes it legal because I'm going to open up my own shop so I don't have to deal with all the shit that I'm going through. Yeah. You make the more, the more guns you make illegal, the more you're going to find them on the street. I know Mm -hmm. exactly where I can go get guns. I know exactly what I can do with those guns, with the tools I have and the tools other people have. I can go get them right now without going to a store. Yeah. Half the price, you know, it's, it's not, it's not conducive to true free society to ensure that the only people armed are the cops and the people who enforce the laws that not everybody agrees with. Right. Yeah. That's uh that, that was the number, number one reason for the, the second amendment. It was to fight back against this, a despotic government. Like that, that's the number one reason. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think, I, th- I mean, well, California is if they're any indication, they're going to keep trying, but they they're losing at like every turn in the courts with with the gun control stuff, and I I think it's only uh, just a matter of time before they <clears throat> they make they essentially have you know, constitution 
constitutional carry is the the law of the land and um that'll be that'll be awesome because then yeah like you shouldn't have to have a permit to to carry a, a firearm it's you have the right to defend yourself and that that's the end of it i think that's all you can ask for you know yeah it, it's yeah. You know, people are always like, well, you're you're a terrorist, you know, you're a conspiracy theorist. And I'm like, no, you know, the government will come, mm -hmm. whether that's state or that's federal, you know, yeah. they will say, no, we can protect you. They can't protect you. Right. They can't protect you in Australia. They can't protect you in the UK. They can't protect you in France. You know where they can protect you? Switzerland, you know why they can protect you is because they can ensure that everybody else around them has a firearm. Yeah, they can ensure that everybody is trained. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. I went to Cherry Creek High School, you know, which is now part of the metro area. It didn't used to be, you know, the old yeah. house where it was just next to a lake is still there. But we there's gun lockers still in those schools. You can still teach basic riflemanship and basic marksmanship safety there. Yeah. You can still be like, hey, you're not – I'm not going to let you graduate high school without understanding the fundamentals of mm -hmm. what a gun is for and how to use one. Yeah. And it, it, it's the same thing with ag. It's this massive lack of education mm -hmm. that has led to this um, image that guns and, and firearms have that they aren't, they aren't, you know, tools. They aren't just – something that you can protect yourself with. I mean, if you were to transcribe, you know, 1540, now let's say 1442 to today or 1424 to today. Oh, well, the government says I can't have a sword anymore for my own protection. But what happens when, you know, uh, Jack Sparrow and his merry band of marauders come yeah. through? How am I going to protect my family if I'm not allowed to have a bow or a sword? Yeah. Pitchfork you know? is all you got. And and oh well let me just let me get a cannon right now and a sword. I'll I'll do more damage to a home intruder than two shots with a, a nine millimeter to the chest. Yeah. He'll live through that, I can guarantee you. I know where to put him. He's not gonna live through me running him through with a sword and shooting him with an arrow. <laughs> yeah. They it's, didn't um... beat Custer with better weapons. They beat him with bows and arrows and the same guns he was using. Yeah. Yeah, they uh they they were uh they they really were incredible incredible war fighters. They uh but they had the odds stacked against them. That that was the I mean it was like, like said, the Bills versus the Chiefs, you know, the the Bills are an incredible team, but the Chiefs are ironically named yeah. still gonna come out on top. Yeah, somehow. I mean, it's uh, yeah, comes back to the who's got the who's got more guns, who's got more more food, um, and, and well, and and soldiers. Like you got you got to have the soldiers to to shoot the guns. You got to have the guns for the soldiers to shoot, and you got to have bullets to feed them, and and uh, food to feed the soldiers. Like that. That's the whoever whoever has more of that at the end of it. That's that's who wins. I do have an interesting point. Um, so I don't know what kind of kids you graduated with. You know, you graduated a good 
hell fuck um it's 20 i'm i'm coming up on 20 years this will be like 20 year anniversary 2003 so similar to 2004 yeah i don't know what did you grow where did you grow up uh southeast colorado walsh walsh colorado walsh towards yuma kind of by yuma uh be south of there uh you know where lamar is I know where Lamar is. Okay. Okay. We're we're another hour and a half south of uh, there. Okay. I'm almost trying to Kansas, almost mental, Oklahoma. Map. I need to have a map of Colorado and Wyoming so I could know exactly. My my biological mom and her family, they came out of Yuma. Okay. Yeah. So Yuma's, uh, Yuma's, Yuma's like, like south central. East. Yeah. Of, you know, they're yeah, on eastern, southeastern central. Like yeah. The north end of that quadrant if you want to cut it into four yeah they're 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 getting up into like they're they're closer yuma's closer to sterling than it is to walsh so yeah okay Uh, i don't know exactly you know what kind of school you graduated from but at least the one i did i know the people that i went to school with who eventually served in the military um not all of them are smart right not critical thinkers um you know they say the infantry needs people who can point and shoot but the infantry also needs people who can think about what they're shooting at yeah and i think what we've done is with this the education doesn't stop at firearms it doesn't stop at agriculture i mean it, it goes so much deeper yeah I know kids I served with who couldn't tell me who wrote the Getty who, or who spoke the Gettysburg Address. Huh. I, I could I could tell you, you know, off the top of my head, you know, five people I could tell you who who discovered, you know, or who, who really created the foundations of the electricity we see today. And I know all five of them would not be able to say Ben Franklin. I know all of them wouldn't even be able to say Thomas Edison if I said who invented the light bulb. Yeah. But you know, and, and looking at that, I'm like, okay, but we're going to expect them, you know, and as an American people to be like, okay, well, if Darth Vader or whoever our president is decides that the empire needs to be, you know, restructured and, in, you know, pulls a Brazil or a Colombia or a Mexico and sends the army in domestically, how many of them are going to say, no, I'm not doing that? How I, many of them I are wonder. Support, even? You know, say Colorado's going to be like, no, we, we, we're going to send the National Guard in to enforce these new laws that we made. And how many of those people are going to be like, you know, I don't feel that this is in line with the Constitution of the nation or my state. You know, I'm not going to come through with this. And how well can we trust that? I don't trust that. Yeah. I'm out of the military. I can't, you know, be like, hey, we're not going to do that. I can't be as a leader and say, no, my company is not going to do go do a freaking Sand Creek massacre. We're not yeah. going to do, um, we're not going to go in to this town and threaten our own people. You know, the only, I, there are a few times that the national guard has been de- deployed and I like domestically. And I, I can name maybe two of them that I think that were truly justified the integration in little rock, Arkansas and Kent state. And they yeah. fucked up Kent state. Yeah. They, they wrote the, Rightfully deployed, wrongfully used. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm looking at it and I'm like, how can we really, we can't trust 
the our service members anymore to be conscientious enough and intelligent enough to be like, hey, you know, this this has happened, you know, multiple times in other countries and look at how it ended up for them. Mm-hmm. Well, and I truly trust our own military. And I, I, I'm a big proponent of the military. I wouldn't tell anybody to join. But yeah. I'm a big supporter of the people who do. I did. Yeah. You know, I think that in order to, to truly ensure our freedom and our safety in the future, regardless of uh, a international war that breaches our borders, uh, breaches our borders or uh, tyrannical um, policy that, that infringes on our freedom, we can't truly trust our own to protect us without proper mm. education. No, that's that's 100% true. Because, I mean, if you look uh, even domestically on the, the police side of things, you could say the exact same things. Uh, a lot of the, the people we know that went to high school with that, that became cops are um, sometimes not real smart. And then um, there's a whole pile of laws that they have to supposedly know. You know they don't. Um, and then they keep adding more laws on. It makes their job harder. And then... Essentially, the cop is now just is a glorified tax collector. That's all all that is. And um, but yeah, you, you you we've seen you can't trust a lot of cops to to keep the peace. I mean, a lot of lot of unjustified shootings that happen. And um, and so you're like, okay, so what happens when shit actually pops off? Um, yeah, they're gonna protect their own. That's that's how it works. That's how it always has worked, all how it always will work. Unless you change the mindset of those serving. And I think that in order to do that, you must you know, it's a community thing. You know, we've mm-hmm. really lost this community. I the South, I will say, you know, as much as the small towns in the West still have maybe not quite as much, you know, still has a pretty decent sense of community. You know, mm-hmm. I could drive through my ex-wife's hometown and I would know everybody I saw. You know, I go in and I do my job for Coca-Cola or whatever. And I would be, you know, I would know everybody in the store and I would know everybody who worked there. They would know me, you know, but the more, the bigger we get, the more urbanization there is, whether or not you're in an urban area, urbanization is still, still coming. Yeah, the more we allow people to just up and leave and then we don't I hate tourists and I hate people who move to Colorado after the fact. I watched a a YouTube video actually maybe today or yesterday about why Colorado and Wyoming are so similar and yet so different. You know why Mm. Colorado has almost 10 times the population that Wyoming does or five five. Whatever five hundred thousand is in five point eight million. Yeah, but yeah, eleven times. Yeah, you know, and the more we grow like that, the less community we have. Because you've got people like me, my my army friends say that I'm a professional hater. It's because I hate on tourists. I hate on people who move to my state. But it, you know, you see this. I don't know my neighbors in my cul-de-sac where I grew up in the little suburb, 
Mm-hmm. I could drive down there right now and I have no idea outside of like two houses who still lives there. Yeah. I don't know, you know, you don't you can't know that, you know? And this lack of community because this massive or, or, or I guess this n- new ability to go even further away, go anywhere. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is, we, we've lost the ability to create community wherever we go. We've lost the ability to, to, um, the lost the desire to. It's easier to keep your community wherever you came from and just mm. travel back to it. Everybody just, comes back for a little rendezvous every once in a while. That worked in 1843 when everybody was a fur trapper in Wyoming and Colorado. Yeah. It doesn't work now. You know, you have to be able to build a community wherever you are. And in order to build a community, you have to have education. You have to have trust. And this lack of trust and this lack of education is compounding on each other to create this divide Whether where I don't know my neighbor's politics, but I can't trust my neighbor no matter what. Yeah. Whether or not his politics align with mine. Yeah. Yeah, see that that's um that is a, a it's a crazy thing about the particularly the urban areas, but like the suburban as well. Like I mean, Colorado's a perfect example of that because it's yeah, I just I, I don't recognize it anymore. You know, it just got it got huge and uh Except for except for the small towns, but even like you go into like um, like so, the the southern Rockies, outside those, Durango. yeah, Durango or like down down in the Trinidad area, and like yuppies moving in there all the time too, and yep, uh, word for them. and and it's just like ah, and you know there's there's some really cool people that move into Colorado. I'm gonna be wrong, like there's like no, nobody there's nobody ever. Si- think the way we do or or think or at least their views line you know where they don't want Mm -hmm. you know these big developments coming in they want to teach people about the land and and where they're living and how to live with it you know you know it's so funny is and now i'm a a nevada transplant and uh you know rural nevada but this this valley i'm living in and the valley next over they're they're booming and a lot of people moving in from california so like i was not not surprised when I got some some cold shoulders when I first moved here, but then he was like, ah, "I'm I'm here to work at the feedlot," and they're like, "Oh, okay, you're one of us." And uh, yeah, you know, I'm not just here because I can afford to move here, and I don't want to deal with you know. I'm going to bring my politics or or my yeah. views, or whatever, and I'm going to come in here and I'm going to interrupt whatever you've got going on. It, it, it's hey, I would like to join your community. Mm-hmm. You know, I I am yeah. this is who I am, and it's. It's not a lack of honesty. It's a lack of transparency in who people yeah. are. Right. Yeah. It's and well, and it's it's also like from the, you know the people that that got invaded. It's just like, do you guys not see that you're turning Colorado into California, and and you left California to get away from all that? Like yeah. So and and Colorado has never not been a booming town. There, yeah. there's minerals in the mountains. There's oil in the south. Um, you know, there is railroads or transportation. Now there's, now there's, you know, in the converse, there's DIA. There's business hubs. There's government yeah. jobs. There's more government jobs in Colorado, um, and more government agencies based in Colorado 
anywhere in, than anywhere in the United States except for Washington, D.C. Yeah. You know, there's jobs. And absolutely, come here and work. But don't come here and, and decide that your community, wherever you left, was so good that you have to make Colorado and wherever you're living that community. You know, you don't need to make Brighton a subdivision. You don't need to make Longmont into Fort Collins and then that whole conglomerate into Denver. Yeah. You know, if you like it so much, move down there. And if you can't afford it, get a job that can. Yeah. Or go back to where wherever it was that, you know, you came from that was like that. But th- this – I keep seeing on Instagram, especially with uh, um, the National Western – all of these like little Colorado influencers, and I won't lie, they've got some great. I found some fun things to do, yeah. you know, from them. You know, they they have their place, but they're like they keep calling call, like Denver a dirty old cow town. And I have traveled the country. You know, I have been to north, uh, the Northeast. I've been to this. I've been all over the South: North Carolina, Tennessee, Mississippi, Florida. And never once has anybody looked at me and been like, oh, Denver's, that's just a dirty old cow town. Like, <laughs> no, they haven't, they haven't said that since probably the 50s. At least. And even then, Colorado still was more of a hub because yeah. they moved NORAD and NOAA and the Air Force Academy there. And then the geological survey followed and all of these other things that made Colorado ball. Um, the, the mason jar people, they yeah. came out of Colorado and went into the aeronautics industry. You know, like it, it has always been a hub because mm-hmm. of the railroad. The railroad came to Denver and went up to Cheyenne and down to Santa Fe. Excuse me, the whiskey is deciding that it wants to acid <laughs> reflux. Um, and this this kind of lie, it's like, oh, yeah, we're not a dusty old cow town anymore. We never really were. We haven't yeah. been. We were never a dusty old cow town. Colorado was founded and populated on the backs of min, min, like mineral prospectors in, in <laughs> Wyoming. Absolutely, there are no, there are hardly any mineral deposits there. That right there, Cheyenne is a dusty old cow town and will always be. Yeah, whether or not they they move on, but Denver and Colorado never was. Yeah. No, yeah, it was. You're, you're right. Transportation hub. I mean, calling Denver dirty old cow towns like calling Chicago a dirty old cow town. Like, yeah, I just mean, you got a packing plant there, and the they they bring their cattle, their cows there from the St. Louis stock stockyards doesn't make it anything. Yeah, Fort Worth I mean, was a dirty old cow town. Now it's not, and no one no one's going around <laughs> saying, "Well, what? you know, Fort Worth's just not a dirty old cow town." No one even thinks about Fort Worth as being a cattle hub anymore. No one thinks no. about Wichita, Kansas being a cattle hub. No, because there's well, there aren't cattle hubs anymore. Like there's uh because that the industry changed, the trucking, you know. You've that, got trucking, that. you've got railroads that, you know, before trucking <laughs> you had railroads that went more places. Yeah. You know, you didn't have to drive your cows from El Paso, Texas all the way up to, you know, Wichita or all yeah. the way up to Fort Worth to ship them off. You know, you, you can ship them off, you know, where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. The advent of the trucking, uh, of the truck that, that, that killed the, the stockyard, um, the true I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's, that there, there just wasn't a need for it anymore. Uh, and it's, uh, 
it's a shame because um I, I've talked about this plenty of times, but that uh that history professor I had on a while back, uh Dominic Pasiga, he talked yeah, about I yeah, but he talked a lot about that, how that that, that was like a, a vital break in the connection of urban and rural was when when the Chicago Union stockyards closed down. And, uh, and I think he's right about that. I mean, I, that's not that, that's not all of it for sure. But I think I think that there's something about that. And that that, that was kind of the cool thing about the National Western Stock Show is um, like that. That was it's like you know, the, the NFR in Vegas, that's when the Cowboys come to town, you know? And, uh, and and like for whatever reason, like the city of Denver has been consistently trying to get rid of that for a long time. Yeah, And it's interesting. I don't know. I doubt you've been, I went this year and they were, they were laying out their foundation like three years ago, what they wanted Mm. to do. And they still had the historic stockyards down by the river. Mm. Um, and it's tough. I mean, you're a stockyards in one of the fastest growing cities in the United States and has been since World War II finished. Mm. But, you know, that's all gone. And they've really been able to find their niche. But at the same time, it's like if I have cows, say, up in up in fair play, right? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm in that, you know, Jefferson or uh, Park County in that big valley up there, you know, and I need to sell my cows. I'd take them. I got to take them all the way out of, I got to take them to Greeley now. Yeah. You know, I can't just take them, you know, up across, um, the pass. I can't for the life of me think of it between Alma and, and Breckenridge and go down to I 70 and go across to straight over to the stockyards. You know, the, even, even though they've kept it alive, they've, they've cut off its arms and legs. Mm-hmm. Denver has, I'm not saying the national Western has national Western has had to evolve to, to survive. Yeah. Cause national Western used to be the daddy of them all. It was bigger than Fort Worth. It was bigger than Houston, bigger than San Antonio in terms of stock show and stock yards. Mm-hmm. But you know, now it's not, you know, it used to be a hub to ship your cattle off. Yeah. And now it's, now it's like a, it, it's a glorified, you know, horse and pony show and that's it mm-hmm. you know you're losing you're losing this and you're it, by losing it these these cities like denver like chicago are losing a vital integration with the rural part there is nothing wrong with living in an urban area yeah however in order to live but i think to live in an urban area you also have to understand what it's like to live in a rural area mm-hmm. even if you don't live there you have to there has to be some sort of connection and there's this massive divide where these yep. urban areas are growing like a cancer and these rural areas are dying and just being enveloped. And there's no sense of, you know, Oh yeah, we, we, uh, well, when I was a kid, we would go out to see like the dugouts and stuff on the plains on field mm-hmm. trips. I, I can't imagine there's many more of those that are just on the BLM land or whatever standing. Yeah. You know, I don't- I, I don't know. Set aside, you know, with the city for the historical society, and that's it, you know. And this this dying knowledge of what it's like to live with the land, and and what it's like to live, you know, outside of where everything is five minutes away from you. Mm-hmm. 
I can get a type of food from every single country or every single region on earth within a 20 minute drive of where I live. Yeah, that's insane. It's insane. You know, where I live in Colorado or where my parents live in Colorado, it's the same way. Mm-hmm. You know? And you look at places like, uh, well, I wouldn't say Kansas, but, you know, Kansas City, Omaha, you know, these places along the rivers, you know, on those borders, you know, it's becoming the same way as Denver is. Mm-hmm. You know, Des Moines, you know, when I grew up, Des Moines was nothing. We would drive through it on our way to Wisconsin and it was just there. You know, now it's like a stop. Now it's a real place. And that's great and all. But, you know, how mu- how many of those people in Des Moines know what it's like or know anything about, you know, what it takes to support that group? Yeah. You know, everybody can be all excited about their tofu and their soy stuff. But where does that come from? Yeah. That comes from rural West Tennessee. And what is it like to live there? Yeah. Well, I think it's great because there's a really good food truck. But besides the point, besides that, you know, it's hard because all of these people, all of these skilled positions that you need to have a functioning town are gone. Yeah. Because they're going to the cities, which are then growing. By the time, you know, in 30 years, I guarantee you, you know, where where my ex is from, it's not going to be, you know, separate towns 20, 30 minutes away from each other. It's all going to be one conglomerate. Cause that's the easiest way to, to keep going. And they're losing this, this connection, you know, wherever you go, the connection between rural and urban is becoming more, more divided and also more unclear. Yeah. I, I think that's right. Hold that thought. I got to pee again. I've been drinking a ton of water here. Um, but I, I've got a, I got something I think you'll get a kick out of. All right. I'm back. Um, it's funny you you were. Do I got you, you watch you bit. watch South Park much? Yeah, I do enough. Okay, I, uh, I I think they have some of the most brilliant commentary on just mo- on American culture ever. Like I've I've been a fan of them since I was in you know I was I guess that was before I was even in high school maybe I'm not sure but I think that was early nineties. That they something like that producing stuff. There's almost thirty seasons of it, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think it was like ninety, like ninety eight or ninety nine was when their their first deal came out. But I, I've been a fan with of them since, I, I guess probably seventh grade. And, but they, uh, one of their last seasons, they, <laughs> they, they had this old bit where like nobody knows how to fix anything or do anything. And that the handyman. All, next thing you know, the handyman's just balling out of control. <laughs> and uh, that's really and, what's going on. And then, uh, but then, like the the handyman, they they all get rich mansions, and then they then they just like start going to space for some reason. And you're like, oh, so like that's also kind of what the nerds did. Like nobody had any use for the nerds, and then next thing you know, they're uh, the nerds are balling out of control, and. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's kind of funny, and I think there are. Um, well, I saw like the UFC is now sponsored um, by like the the College of Working Trades or something like that. So I think you're gonna see. Uh, uh, I think you're gonna see like a huge influx of like mechanics and you know carpenters and and like skilled skilled tradesmen 
um, in the next 10, which I hope so. I mean, that's. Yeah. How would you describe, how would you describe the work that we do as punchers? You know, if you had to put a collar on it, you know, there's, there's blue collar, obviously there's green collar. That's military and police and, and service members. But would you lump us in with the blue collar? I've always kind of thought we were brown collar. I, that, I was what, what I was going to say too. It's kind of a brown collar. Um, I, I think you could put farming, ranching, cow punch. I, that's all kind of a brown collar job, I'd say. Um, it's it's uh, essentially it's a labor position for the most part, or a trades, uh, you know, a skilled trade, depending. I mean, because I, I I I would say like the you know your your cowboy position is both a laborer and a, a skilled trade. Um, and I, I, you know, I think most farming is kind of like the same way. It's a labor position, but it's also a skilled trade, particularly now with all the technology and shit. Um, and so I don't know. I, I think, I think brown, brown collared be, I guess if I had to lump it into a category, it'd be kind of, it's it'd just be agriculture related. I'd say. Yeah. I think that my, my brother actually, um, he was at K state and he, it wasn't for him. And so, you know, now he's going to trade school because that's something yeah. that he thinks is is what his path lies, where his path lies, and and what he's passionate about. And I think that this realization that you know eventually the economy is going to fix itself. You know, if mm-hmm. you follow what you like to do, you're going to end up being fine. You know, not everybody has to have six different college degrees. The only reason I'm still in college is to ensure that when I ask people to give me money to support the my, my Chandler project and my ranch that they, they look at me and they're like, Oh, he's a qualified individual for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm looking at it and I'm like, I, you know, you don't need that anymore. You know, it's becoming again, like you don't need a degree to survive. If you find your niche, if you find what you want to do, you, you can support you and your own just fine. Yeah. I, I firmly believe, like my generation, your generation, and uh, and then like my generation X, we were sold a false bill of goods on that that college deal. Like that, that's the whole thing. Is like, <clears throat> you know, like I'm not, I'm not saying uh, that all the college loan debts needs to be forgiven or whatever, but but I am saying that there is a legitimate grievance there. It's not just that like oh we don't want to pay it back. You know, like this is kind of a. You fo- you sold as a false bill of goods, is is my grievance, anyways. And uh, and I'm I'm not saying I don't know who's who's to blame, the government in general, but it, it's uh, it's it just like well, you, you did, you know, promise the moon and the stars uh, if we got this piece of paper, and uh, and then you made it expensive as hell. Uh, because, but it wasn't no big deal because we just loan you the money and it's all guaranteed and all that. And so, you know, then we, we add all the amenities to these colleges too, where it used to be like a pretty austere environment. You know, there was just a, there was the dormitory and the, and the kitchen or, you know, the cafeteria and classrooms. That's it. There, there, it was pretty, pretty stripped down. And, uh, and then when I, you know, when I was in school and I'm sure it's got even more insane since then, but you know, we had, uh, you know, top of the line, uh, 
gym facility, swimming pools, and uh, I'm not against having a good gym and swimming pool, but no, not either. Time. But then we also had, uh, you know, we had like four or five different uh, cafeteria setups in the two different dorms. Like it was, I was in um, Parmley, and then I forget what the other one was that that was Connect Corbett, I think. But they, yeah, I mean, it just you're like, boy, this a lot of it seemed like a little over the top, you know, and then um, didn't think much of it at the time, you know, like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then uh, and then as you're paying it back and you're like, oh, this is no wonder my tuition was so damn expensive. I, I That's why I went to Wyoming is because Colorado State was more expensive as an in-state student than it was mm-hmm. to be an out-of-state student at the University of Wyoming. Now, obviously, my, my tuition's paid for um, but I mean, it stands the same, you know, I went and I, I looked around CSU's campus, my best friend he's when he gets out of the Marines, that's where he's going. Mm. Um, cause they, they took away his major at Wyoming, but that's like the other thing too. It's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, with that major, yeah. my dad graduated with a degree in petroleum engineering. He's a petroleum engineer, but mm. he worked for Lockheed Martin and, uh, not as a petroleum engineer. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, you pushed this college on me, but, you know, you, you encouraged me to find something I was good at and that I like to do. And you found that in college, but that's not what you do now at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm looking at, you know, kids like my brother or, you know, I, I had a kid I went to church with growing up. And he was a little younger than me that he didn't do college. He he decided after high school he was going to get a trade trade degree and uh, now he's got his own business and he's like I figured out what I wanted to do and it wasn't having to do with spending you know upwards of forty grand on a degree that's kind of useless now. Yeah, you need yeah, to. Multi- My mom has a she's a physical therapist and mm-hmm. she has just her masters, but now you have to be a doctor to be a physical therapist. She got grandfathered in. Hmm. But you you have to have you know twelve years of of higher education, just about to be a physical yes. therapist. You know, if you count you know all your residential time once you graduate. Yeah, that's a but lot. It's of... like, okay, so if you're willing to put that work in, absolutely go for it. But at the same time, you know, if that's not something you want to do, why do it? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, especially in the medical field, like I, I just assume everybody that's working there want want to be there. <laughs> at, at least that's my hope. When when I ever end up in a medical situation, you know. Yeah, I I uh, <laughs> with the VI, I've seen a lot of people who don't want to be there anymore. I can't even imagine. Um, yeah, I so. Like my my biological dad was Vietnam vet, and uh, I was I was put in foster care when I was nine, so I I didn't have to deal with any of like the VA stuff that, or at least like I was young, any of the stuff that uh I had, that I got I was around that he had he had to deal with. Um, I was too young to really know much of anything, and so like as as that all went on, he died when I was in, in high school. But like I that would have been a nightmare, you know, is because he's a 
Uh, he he was yeah Vietnam vet. I'm sure he had some sort of disability with them, and it was yeah all through the VA. And I'm sure it was I just a nightmare. I'm, I can't even imagine. People are like, well, why doesn't why won't socialized healthcare work for the United States? And I'm like, well, it already doesn't. Look at the VA. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. And like I said, I, I'm I'm fortunate I didn't have to deal. I've never had to deal with it much, but I've just I've just heard horror stories. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There is bad medicine, and then on top of it, you know, it follows whatever administrations you know pushing policy. So there's a lot of agenda based healthcare going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh. It. Yeah. When when the the new administration sets their whatever their their policies are for the for the administration then every single department follows suit and so you know when that when it's climate driven that's when you know everybody's you know every everything's electric vehicles or whatever even though and then (laughs) you lead into these photo ops that turn into not photo ops because uh, you block all the fucking uh (laughs) all the chargers for the teslas with, with with your government vehicles and uh (laughs) <laughs> it, yeah it's it's just insane how like how all of that and then it's it just so fucking big there's biggest uh biggest entity in the world the u.s federal government yeah and, you know it was created to be smaller than the state yeah government. yeah exactly funny uh, how that kind of comes full circle to what we talked about at the start yep yeah it's uh I don't know. It, like the the term "self licking ice cream cone" was invented to describe the the U.S. military and during the Cold War. And uh, I mean, it's it's a perfect analogy. The the only the only thing all this shit benefits is the federal government. Like none of a none of it benefits the people that are paying the salaries. You know, the the people of the country, but the the government benefits a whole bunch. It sure does. But I don't know. I think I think there's change in the air. I think uh, whether it's good change or not, I don't know. I'm not a soothsayer, but I, I do feel like there's we're on the verge of something big, and I don't know if it's going to be like drastically big. I, I don't know, but it feels like some there's something's about to pop loose, and however it all settles, I think we'll be in a better spot. But you know, it, it's uh, it's how we get to that point is has got me a little little nervous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I think I, I I'm I'm seeing people kind of come to their senses. The the COVID fog is still there for a lot of people, but I, I've seen a lot of people snap out of it and kind of and kind of kind of take a look around and 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 I think. You hear a lot of people talking about the '90s um, lately, and I, I think that's a good thing because the '90s were pretty awesome. And, and uh, I wish I like could a, experienced them. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie, um, but it was uh, like we're, we're seeing like guys like my age, and and um, like there's still a chance for my kids to have that type of growing up. It's going to be different, but like still 
be able to do scouts and and, and sports and, and go run and like they're they're riding their bikes to their down the road to to the neighborhood kids and and you know crashing along the way and they're like all right well that's shit that i did and there's so they're still i'm still able to do that for them and uh i want to keep it that way and so like there's a little i think there's enough people with that type of mentality that are finally kind of popping their heads up and and we'll be all right it just might be a little ugly getting there i don't know yeah it'll happen i, I think, think so think patience, you know, is, is the virtue that it's always been. And I think understanding, you know, the way the world works and the way, you know, how the cycles kind of come about. Yeah. You know, it's well, all growing. I think it's good for young men to bounce around a little bit and, and see what's out there. I can't speak on what, what's good for the young ladies. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're not young ladies. Yeah, but I know for young men, I think it's a good to bounce bounce around. But like when you can find a place to plant your flag, you plant your flag and and keep it. You know, like that's that's kind of how how we operate. Like uh, like all right, well this is this is where it is now, and I'm gonna make this awesome. Like this is mine, and this is what this is where I'm at. And and part of what makes it awesome is having you know having good people around you. And uh, so I don't know. It, it's uh. I think, like I said, I think it's it's important to go out and see what the the world has to offer. But when you find a good spot with with good people around you, you you know you plant your flag and then you then you protect it. Absolutely. So that's that's kind of what I've done, and uh, and I encourage people to do that. It's uh, but I there's nothing worse than than somebody who's never left their their hometown though that that tries to figure out how the world works and you're like no you have no clue get out get out in the world a little bit and then you know then come back home i think that's a it's a solid plan they the it, it worked for for many a generations it seemed like i don't i don't know i don't know what exactly where we 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 got off track but it's uh i think there's going to be a i think there'll be a correction yeah. Oh, I'm sure there will be. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, it's nature, it's God, it's biology, whatever you want to attribute it to. But men, men will act a certain way and then you can only suppress that urge for so long for men to, you know, go out and have adventures and conquer shit before they eventually go do that. And, uh, and Yeah. Turns out after a while that the ladies don't like the bitchified men either. So uh, that's why uh, that's why so many marriages get blown up in in the the military. Is it's somebody's always fucking another another dude's wife, like always because uh, oh, women like buff dudes. That's what happens. It is. Yeah, I don't know, but. All right. Well, we've been at it for a while. Um, I'm th- I think I think we I think we covered it all. You got any anything else you wanna you wanna plug before we we, we call her a call her a, an episode? I uh, you know uh, find me on Instagram. You know, just search up my name. Um, I'm working on getting the Chandler project and the the Bar Lazy uh, W. You know, up and running. Um, if you have any ideas of of how i can better reach the ag community and 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 what truly the ag community needs in terms of mental health uh please feel free to let me know 
Um, I am all ears. Um, and I am, if you have a place, you know, in Wyoming or Colorado with a lot of land for cheap, I, you know, I, I'll thank you for that, for that help because we're, we're, you know, I, I've got a good group of people who are looking to get this going and, and, uh, I, I want to ensure that, you know, we're protecting, you know, ours and, yeah. and we're ensuring that our, that we have a future. Um, agriculture isn't dying, but it's sure changing. And I think that, you know, in order to maintain what we have, we gotta, we gotta protect what we are. So, uh, reach out, you know, hit, hit Matt up. He can connect you with me. Um, for sure. If you need help, you know, there's the nine, eight, eight number. Don't kill yourself, please. Um, that is, that's kind of the, the biggest thing is, it's just ensuring that we're still here to evolve because if there's none of us left, there's no evolution. So, yeah, that's true. And, uh, no, I think, I think that's, a it's an important, important issue that, and it gets talked about, but like, not really. And, and like, you know, it's, it's always awareness, but like, what are we doing to, to make sure it doesn't happen? Cause it seems awareness, like just keep... awareness doesn't mean shit if there's no action being taken. Yeah. I'm so well that... aware of my own, you know, shortcomings and my own mental health issues. But if I wasn't taking action, what, what does that say about me? What does that do for me? How yeah. does that anybody out yeah so i i think i think it's an awesome it's an awesome thing awesome vision you've got and um you might reach out to the to like black rifle and those those uh some of those type of people because they've they've done a lot of work in my beard with his war party movement has um, a lot i'd rather reach out to him than matt best and all of his little frat boy vets Okay. I can put you in I can put you in contact with Jeremiah, no problem. He's he's uh he's a real deal. Yeah. That, um, there there's so much there's so much shit going on, there's no reason that we keep adding on to it ourselves. You know? Yeah. So I wanna ensure no. that, you know, we figure out how to stop and how to how to move on and, and how to how to grow. Yeah. And you can't help your kids you can't insure their future if you're dead. Yeah. A life insurance policy doesn't insure shit. I know that for a fact. Yeah. So. Well, and it's just, uh, I don't know. You got to be a man and being a man is not hard or not. It's, it's not hard, but it goddamn sure ain't easy either. No, you got to cowboy the fuck up, cowgirl the fuck up. Yeah. It's a uh, job as a person. Build your community, build your, build your, your life, but ensure that that you can't help the guy next to you in a falling plane if you're passed out too. Yeah. So, no, it's you got to take care of yourself. You got to, and sometimes taking care of yourself is calling your buddy and bullshitting for a couple hours, and uh, it's uh, it helps. I, I do it quite often. It's. Another good reason I do the podcast. I get to the, just get to talk, talk, just shoot the shit with people. It's, uh, it helps. So anyways, um, yeah, I, I appreciate your time, man. I think it's a, I think it's a noble effort that you're undertaking. Uh, I always, I think noble, noble causes should be, should be honored and, uh, and promoted. So I'm, I'm happy to give you 
the little platform that I have. And, uh, and, um, I hope, I hope it turns out well. Uh, if you, if you need anything, let me know and, uh, go follow him on, on Instagram, Eric Winkler. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see, seeing what, uh, what comes of it. So, uh, thanks again and, um, move your ass. We're burning daylight. Move your ass. You're burning daylight. Thank you for having me, Matt. He was just a rookie trooper and he surely shook with the